coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios, this is The Right Hash. The Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweets and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now, let's spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. Hello and welcome once again on a very special day here in the Nasser Alexander Kucheki Studios for another episode of The Right Hash. Luke Ned Carney, Alex Thompson here with you and uh, it's a day of celebration here in the studios wherever they may be today. We're, we're not stretching states today, we're just covering uh, the central part of North Carolina, but we're going to start today's show off by not talking quite about sports, talking about a man who very, very much loved sports, um, the legacy, the namesake of our studios, Mr. Nasser Alexander Kuchecki, who would have turned 31 on the day of this recording. Um, so there's our, our cold open here. We're, uh, this, we do pretty much all these shows for Nasser, but this one uh, was going to be recorded yesterday. Uh, fate intervened, and this is, uh, this is why we're doing it on, a, uh, on, on this day. So uh, happy birthday to maybe the biggest sports fan that we knew out there. Um, and the man who loved to have fun more than anything else, Nasser Kuchecki. So that's uh, that's that's how we want to start today's show, Alex. Absolutely. Uh, you know, just big shout out to his family, too. I know Armand's probably listening to this at some point. Um, you know, we'll, we'll hope, we hope to have him on here uh, sooner rather than later to really dig into some some commanders talk. But uh, no, no more appropriate standing for the commanders in Nasser's 31st year than to be free of Dan Snyder and also be one and O going into week two. So, uh, so certainly know he's had some influence. Uh, I, I'm just going to say it right now. There's, there's a reason Josh Dobbs is playing against the commanders and it's a sick joke on all of us. Uh, but uh, he always had a soft spot for Josh uh, going to UT. So uh, kind of cool to watch that game. We'll talk about that one a little bit uh, towards quarter three, but uh, yeah, man, I absolutely could not do this show without mentioning the namesake of our studios, the, the the namesake of so many things in our life, Nasser Kuchecki. Nasser Alexander Kuchecki, for all of you out there wondering. We did share a name. The, um, the, the, uh, yeah, one more shout out I've got to give uh, in related to that is thank you to the Arizona Cardinals for just kind of handing that game away to Washington. Uh, we, they definitely were playing better than we were. And then all of a sudden they were like, wait a minute, we, we don't want to win anymore. Here you go, Washington. You can win the game. And we did. So that was really nice. That definitely makes Nasser's birthday week uh, a lot more fun. Uh, so, uh, before we dive into the show for, for in earnest here, uh, we want to remind you, please go eat Bojangles. At some point, we're not big on the product placement here, but we will tell you, please go eat Bojangles at some point, uh, either today or, or this weekend. Um, that was his favorite place to eat. That was where we'd always uh, go for biscuits in the morning after the Hurricanes scored power play goals. You know, we're Caniacs and it's bow time. I'm not a Caniac, but I can pretend to get a free biscuit. Uh, so go get you some Bojangles or some cookie cake if you have a sweet tooth. I've already eaten about seven eighths of a cookie cake that I bought yesterday. I could, couldn't resist, had to dive into it today. So those are our, our two um, two product placements. Shove it in your face. Go get uh, yourself some Chicken Supremes. Uh, on that note, if you see anybody with splittable food, make sure to take your sh- surprise indie from them. 
<laughs> that was a that was a term a term that was coined in our apartment in 2013 um an india food you know what an india a hit of weed is but an india food it's not it's a, a, enough for me to enjoy this with you but not enough for me to take away your enjoyment of your food i think you put it you put it best uh, when you said that originally in a text message yes uh i mean if there's one thing if there's one thing i'm more expert on than sports it would be food um, not so much the rationing of it, but I can get it going sometimes. <laughs> I think that went for all three of us as we uh, begin the first quarter here on the right hash. Uh, I want to also want to say thank you to Rob Jordan for a, a great right hosh show uh, that you guys can listen to. Uh, uh, association football. This is uh, American football, but as we as we dive into the right hash here, um, just uh, the, this is where. The, the, we're almost to that golden era of of college, the college football season. Alex said it right before we hit the record button. Uh, when SEC teams are playing SEC teams regularly, that's that's kind of the secret sauce here. And uh, at least Georgia will get its first taste of SEC play this week when they play South Carolina. And of course, Alex's Tennessee Volunteers heading to um, the swamp to take on the Gators. And it's the, the third Saturday in September. So uh, they've had that one circled on the calendar uh, where we're going to pick these games later in the second half of the show. But uh, we'll start with the Vols who kind of sleepwalked through that game against Austin P, one of my favorite uh, college chants. Let's go P. Um, they they, they kind of just took their time with, with Austin P, played with their food a little bit. But actually, I didn't actually get a chance to see the game itself. So, Alex, what did what were the main things you, you took away from that uh, that clunker at Neyland Stadium? Yeah, it, it certainly um... – it, it was certainly not a confidence boosting game. Um, that being said, Austin P located in the state of Tennessee. I want to say they said like 60% of their roster is from the, the greater Knoxville area. Uh, and it's just, it's a lot of kids whose dream was playing on that field. Um, you know, you, you get this sometimes, uh, you know, playing the in-state school, the in-state school, very much, I think, looking forward to Florida this week. Um, a lot of drop passes, kind of some inaccurate throws from Joe time to time. I'll say, though, the the, the drops hit the receiver's hands. Um, they, these guys still have to bring it in. He needs to give them better catchable balls. But um, Tennessee leads the country in sacks. Tennessee leads the country in tackles for loss. Uh, they're the, 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 Surprisingly, the defense has been kind of what has held everything together. Uh, I want to say Tennessee is like tied for the lead in the SEC for punts. Uh, not something a hypo offense normally does. And uh, this is this is a big week for, for Joe Milton coming into Florida. Uh, I, I, I single Joe Milton out because the quarterback is the straw that stirs the drink, you know, for, for pretty much every team in the country as to whether or not you're a real competitor or not. Um our, our backfield is really nice. Uh, two of the top five leading rushers in the SEC through two weeks, uh, three weeks for some. And I, I, I like a lot of what I've seen out of this team through two weeks, except for, honestly, the two parts that I thought were just kind of givens with, with Josh Heupel and, and this offense, and that's the quarterback and the receivers. Um, not, it's not to say that they've been bad, but I certainly haven't seen, uh, you know, just kind of that, that jolt of emotion, that little bit of a flex that Tennessee put on people last year, just kind of flexing its muscle on them. I, I haven't really seen that 
there's been speculation that, you know, Heupel and crew are just trying to keep uh, you know, a vanilla playbook leading up to Florida, but I'm personally not buying it. I go back and watch some of the games from last year and it didn't matter who we were playing. Heupel was just trying to score. There was, there was no take the foot off the gas, none of that stuff. Um, and I don't see why he would do that with a quarterback that really needs to understand this full playbook and a receiving core that really needs to understand this full playbook. Um, so, you know, I'm, you know, kind of foot in the fire, foot in the pool with, with, with this week's game. We'll, we'll pick this game in the next quarter, but uh, it, it's, it's not necessarily been a confidence boosting two weeks. It, it kind of figured stuff out against Virginia in the second half, but um, you know, Austin P ran a lot of stuff that we don't see outside of practice that they did a lot of stuff that looked hypo like they just that they don't have the players to run it. I thought they did really, really well. They were leading six to three into the second quarter. Um, and then just the, the depth chart of Tennessee took over for the most part, Tennessee's defense would not let them go down the field. And, um, you know, if this is the Tennessee defense we're getting this year, I'm, I'm excited about it. The pass rush has been really good. Um, you know, Past defense has been okay. When the balls get thrown their way, they, they don't do the best job of turning their head, locating, and knocking it away or going for the pick. But uh, they do a good job of jamming at the line and staying with receivers. So, you know, it, it's it, it's a little give and take there. Pass rush has just been what it is. Linebackers uh, have been really, really good so far. Um, but I, I don't think anybody's kidding themselves. Um when, when we say we haven't really played anybody yet. It's not a not necessarily a slight to Virginia. Every Virginia fan knows what Virginia football is right now. It's not a good team. It's not a litmus test. It's not a benchmark. Um, you know, so th this is the first really one of those that we get, but Florida also has lost five power five games in a row coming into this one. Uh, so I, 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 don't, I don't really know. I, Joe Milton said in the offseason, I don't lose in Florida. He was referring to Miami in the Orange Bowl, but uh, he in, inadvertently gave some bulletin board material to the uh, misnamed crocodiles down there in Gainesville, and I hope that doesn't come back to beat us. We'll talk about that game a little bit more, though. From a, from a mentality perspective for the Tennessee team, in that Virginia game, they came out swinging. You know, they went for it on that fourth and five, scored a touchdown. You know, they 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 very much established, you know, we're here to throw the haymakers. And it seemed against Austin P, they came out and were like, okay, we know we can win this game. You know, we 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 know we're better than these guys. We know we're you know going to maul them in the trenches. We can play with our food a little bit. And, and Georgia has done this in, in, through the first two games. The Ball State game was scored scoreless after 15 minutes before Georgia put up 31 in the second quarter. And, and I just I just feel like if I'm a Tennessee fan or even a coach that that would concern me a little bit because you can't come into to that that to like SEC games with that kind of mentality, even if you are better than the team on paper. And I, I just think you only get 12 of these regular season games a year. It, what you do early in the season against these less competitive teams like Austin P is going to shape how you go into each of these games coming, coming forward. Like, I don't know if they were looking ahead to Florida last week, but it definitely seemed like they were a little bit on autopilot, especially in that first half. Yeah, that that's why I say I I am not someone who buys the idea that Hypo was just keeping the playbook vanilla or whatever because 
you, you, you referenced the first drive against Virginia, come out throwing haymakers. What do we do the whole drive? Ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. And after that, what did we do? Threw the ball, threw the ball, threw the ball, threw the ball. And what that tells me is they're still working on a lot of link-up stuff because if we wanted to go in there and just put 70 on Virginia, we could have running the ball. And if we wanted to put 50 on Austin P, we would have running the ball. But Hypel is still trying to get this passing unit to click. And it's very apparent they're not clicking just due to all the drop balls. Go back to the Virginia game. Ramel Keaton drops that beautiful ball Joe drops in there that would have been at least a 75-yard catch, maybe just a straight-up 80-yard touchdown. Um, drops that ball. We had four or five just straight-up drop passes um, against Austin P. And that's why I don't buy this Hypel is keeping stuff vanilla. And if he is, it's not because he's holding it for Florida. It's because they're not even getting the vanilla shit right. Um, and, you know, 79 points for the first two games, that would have been an entire year for Jeremy Pruitt. I, I, I realize that. But this is Jeremy Pruitt's defenses were always like this, where they were holding them under 20, 25. Um, th this offense has to click. And if it doesn't start to, get real familiar with the name Nico Iamaliava because he's he's very, very good. And he, he's not coming here for the amount of money he's coming here for to sit and be a paperweight if he's the best quarterback. There's a reason he was getting reps. There's a reason they put him in uh, to play at Virginia for, for a series. Um, if, if Joe doesn't start, Joe and the rest of the squad don't start clicking like they should, I think Heupel's going to change something up. We're going to get a, a big look at that uh, against Florida, who, like like I said, They've lost five straight power five conference games. This is also not really a litmus test. This just tells us how much better or worse are we than we were last year? Um, what, what, what are we actually dealing with? What is our actual ceiling? If we come out and beat Florida by, you know, a, a lousy three points, that's one thing. If Florida brings its A game and the swamp is doing what it's doing and we escape with the win, I'll feel fine. But that there's, there's levels I know it's cliche to say, but that there's levels to how this game goes, losses and win. It's a night game, right? Seven o'clock. Yeah, and that's uh, I guess with this new TV contracts coming up next season, look for more primetime SEC premier games because uh, the the three thirty slot on CBS was always the 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 uh, the top slot got the top pick. That's going to be changing, and I definitely expect more of these big games in the SEC to be night kickoffs moving forward. Uh, Georgia taking on South Carolina in the aforementioned three thirty slot on CBS. Um, we've uh, we 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 are my broadcast crew has had a lot of fun figuring out how we're going to squeeze our breaks into their two two minute and twenty second TV uh, TV timeouts on CBS. That's that's a whole lot of fun. Give me a call if you ever want to talk about that that stuff because that's what makes me tick. But uh, dogs. Going to have their first challenge, I think, of this season with uh, Spencer Rattler and South Carolina coming in. I don't think it's going to be uh, – if Georgia plays how they're supposed to play, it's not going to be a tough 60 minutes. I do expect South Carolina to hang for a little bit, and they've got a veteran quarterback. And, and frankly, I think the coach that, that can keep them in this game. Um, but it's not going to be – you know, the 48 to seven beat down that that was in Columbia last year with uh, Spencer Rattler still just learning the South Carolina offense and Shane Beamer screaming at the co-ed athletes to get off the field after a TV timeout just so Georgia could continue running the ball down his throat. <laughs> but um, it's, it's this is a this is a I'm not you know, well, we will pick this game also, but 
Uh, this this is a I think a game that Georgia should needs to not not play with its food and I, I keep using that term but both Tennessee Martin and Ball State games didn't really tell us anything except for the fact that Makai Muse is going to be a dynamic player on offense this year. I don't think it told us a whole lot about Carson Beck. I don't think it told us a whole lot about this Georgia defense. And one thing that's going to have to change about this Georgia defense, if they're going to dominate this game the way they've dominated their last 19 games, is they're going to have to get to Spencer Radler. Zero sacks against Ball State. That's a Mac offensive line. And Georgia didn't get to the quarterback one time. I believe they only got to the quarterback against Tennessee Martin uh, three or four times. So that's going to have to improve for uh, for uh, Kirby Smart's defense if this is going to be the kind of game that Georgia Dogs fans are used to. Uh, if there's a, a positive going into that, look at what North Carolina did to the Gamecocks offensive line in week one in Charlotte. I believe it was eight sacks or even nine. So that that's that's a, a definitely a matchup I'm, I'm watching heading into this. And Georgia's going to need to get a lot from Brock Bowers here. I mean, they didn't really need him in that first game or the first two games, but he had only one catch for three yards against Ball State. So you're definitely going to have to get double-digit targets for Bowers in this game. Um, and and Lad McConkey, we don't know if he's going to play. Uh, Kirby is very tight-lipped on that, but he does have a back injury, has missed the first two games. So could be a bit of a banged-up Georgia offense going against South Carolina here. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on that game just initially? Yeah, I, I won't say too much because I'll I'll save it for when we're actually picking. But the, you mentioned, I think, may, maybe one of my um, one one of the things that's keeping me from being comfortable predicting Georgia in this game. Um, you know, I I don't we don't need to get to the pick section for me to tell you that I think Georgia is going to be South Carolina. But the the difference for me is is Lad McConkey. I think that's what the team has been missing. You you have Brock Bowers, but he doesn't really play wide receiver. He he does, but he doesn't. Um, you know, it, very very much in the 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 Travis Kelsey type of bag where they move him around in the backfield, they bring him across the formation. Uh, you know, he he's the guy who's helping identify if it's man or zone. Um, you know, they 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 use him a lot, but he's not he's not a guy that they're consistently lining up outside. Uh, Lad McConkey is. He's not a tall receiver, but he's a guy who can who runs routes very, very well and can use the space. Um, and I, I, you know, I think if you have an opinion of Carson Beck to this point, um, you would be dumb to have it solidified because he hasn't had his best receiver. And I call Lad McConkey their best receiver because I consider Bowers to be a tight end uh, just, in, just in his usage. Um, you know, at the next level, I don't know, tight end, wide receiver. Brock Bowers is probably going to be one of these guys that, kind of creates a new position in the NFL. We've seen how that's gone. I think he's going to do that, but um, George has been missing that. And I don't, I don't see where the explosiveness of their offense comes from without McConkey because South Carolina is a good enough defensive team. I think to at least realize, Oh, there's no lad McConkey. Uh, let's just, let's just do everything we can to take Bowers away, make this new quarterback beat us with somebody who we don't even know their name. Um, and that, that's, that's kind of what worries me. If Vlad McConkey plays, I don't worry about that at all. Get, give, giving him a second bona fide. And I'm not talking Dominic Lovett. I'm not talking the transfers. I'm talking bona fide. I've seen him do it at Georgia type of receiver. Um, you know, rah, rah's good. Uh, obviously love, love it has had a, a, a good, um, 
you know, settle time into into the Georgia offense. But Lad McConkey is the receiver that stirs the drink. Uh, he did last year. He, he's going to this year. I I don't see them. I don't see them ruling him out. If 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 he's not going to play, I think he's still going to suit up, and they're going to act like he's going to play. They're going to feel out the game, and if it's close, they'll probably bring him in second half if they have to. That that would be my read. Um, yeah, I I don't think they're just going to trot him out there uh, if he's questionable. But I also don't think they're going to rule him out because this is the SEC. One game can ruin an entire season, and you know back issues notwithstanding. If they need you, they need you. You hope they don't against South Carolina, but if they do. Only in the Big Ten are you required now to uh, put forth injury reports. I uh, remember they, they changed that rule this year. I uh, wonder if we'll see that moving forward in other conferences, but only only in one conference is that required this year. So definitely expect the games, gamesmanship from Kirby uh, in that one. The last thing I'll say about Georgia in, in, in this quarter here is uh, they, they still need to establish a run game. You know, Kendall Milton is – been the 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 starter um branson robinson of course uh tore his acl out for the season so that put a hole in georgia's run game to co- come to start the season we haven't seen andrew paul yet uh who the guy they're pretty high on and a big rod robinson no relation to to branson robinson got his first career touchdown last week so that that's that's a, another thing that's going to have to happen is you know georgia's going to have to find out what their identity is with the run game because they don't really quite have one in in this uh in in this early season uh, this early season flurry of games um, and they're, you know, going up against it's South Carolina, but, but they're going up against an sec defense after two weeks of playing a, an FCS Ohio Valley conference opponent, and then a Mac opponent. So just, just a little bit of a step up in competition here. Yeah. And you know, the, uh, before I don't want to get too much into it, but the, the thing that keeps me thinking is South Carolina actually handled Drake may and that UNC offense pretty well until they just they, they couldn't take it anymore. They were on the field too much in the second half, and the levy kind of broke on them. But overall, I, my opinion, Drake May is a better quarterback than Carson Beck at this point. Um, and they did a pretty good job uh, of, of keeping hit, of keeping that game within striking distance. And um, you, you don't you don't want a rattler snake within striking distance. <laughs> um, from one team that wears red and black to another team that wears red and a little bit a little bit less black, I think. Um, NC State missing out on an opportunity to upset uh, then number ten Notre Dame in Raleigh last week. Uh, the, the, you know about the weather, you know about the delays. Um, but I, I think what people are not aware of when it comes to the Wolfpack is just Brennan Armstrong is who is who he, who he is. He's worked with Robert and I before. Most of these players on this offense have not. And I think that's finally starting to show because with how many drops, you know, just how many little tiny mistakes, those are things that you know don't really happen if you're buttoned up and you kind of have been in a system for quite some time. It's almost like these players are thinking a little bit too much about the offense that they're in while they're actually playing. And that's not a good mix. I just, every time I looked over, to that game on Saturday, I saw an NC State player drop a pass. I saw an NC State player drop a pass. Uh, Brennan Armstrong for his for this these first two starts this season, 415 yards. I wish he had five more. Uh, just two touchdowns and three interceptions. And, and he's the guy that is going to have to perform for NC State this year if they're going to have any chance of winning the conference in a new arrangement without any divisions. Um, and they're already a little bit not record wise behind the eight ball, but just eye test wise, in my opinion, 
behind the eight ball after that loss to Notre Dame. VMI coming in this week, we're not going to pick that game. I hope that one's common sense. Um, but the, the, the key debts will uh, will roll into Raleigh uh, hungry, hungry for a, a, a touchdown, maybe not a victory. Uh, but I just I just really need to see a lot of improvement from from this offense. This is one of those kinds of games where you cannot like you cannot mess around like you've got to hang 70 on VMI, make a statement and be like, hey, we're, we're not here to, to fuck around this season. You know, uh, and, and I just think it's one of those games where you can learn a lot of the offense on the fly if you're one of State's you know new players running running with this offense for the first time. I think a lot of weight was placed at the beginning of the season on Brendan Armstrong's relationship with Robert and I without actually seeing it in 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 game action and seeing how it works with the other 10 guys on this offense because you know this is not an individual sport as important as the quarterback is just because the quarterback is familiar with the offense that doesn't magically permeate to the to the other 10 guys and I think these first two games for NC State, I'm, I'm including the Connecticut game too, because that was a pretty ugly offensive game. That's proven this and proven that NC State's still going to be a team that needs its defense to carry it this season, which it did not do against Notre Dame. Yeah, this is one of those games. I mean, if you listen to the last show, um, you know, you, you you heard my confidence come out in the, uh, the one-sided bet I made Luke, um, you know, and I, I was – the, the scoreboard stayed close for three quarters. I was never one single bit worried about NC State winning this game. Um, and if, if it sounds like I'm kind of pulling against NC State, even though I'm a state fan, uh, you, you would be correct because I'm I'm really – I am completely over this 11-year experiment that has been Dave Dern flirting around in, in midstream. He, he is just bang fucking average in a bad conference – um, looks good because he's not as bad as Boston College or Syracuse. His school actually puts a little bit into athletics, you know, contrary to popular belief or or performance. Um, and it's it, it's it's time to get rid of him and try something else because it, it's not working. Um, he's got the best quarterback that I think's been there at least since Mike Lennon um, in Brennan Armstrong. Uh, yes, I I, I, th- I think he's better. Um, than Ryan Finley. Uh, I'm trying to think if we've had anybody else, even uh, maybe Brissett. I'd put him ahead of Brissett just in terms of being a pure quarterback. Um, But this is a team right now, Brandon Armstrong leads the squad in passing, of course, but he also leads in rushing. And the the, the key for NC State the last couple of years and being able to hang around in the top 25 has – been having running backs, Ricky, uh, Ricky Peoples, uh, Zonovan Knight, just to name a couple recently. Uh, fuck, uh, out, outside of Brennan Armstrong, I don't know who they've been handing the ball to. Like, I, I don't, they don't run the ball unless Brennan Armstrong is running from his life uh, from a, a three or four man pass rush uh, because his receivers don't get open downfield and is about to get killed. Um, it, it's just, it's nothing I can put on the offensive coordinator, nothing I can put on Brennan Armstrong. This is this is a shit roster. That the defense is good. The defense is good, but the problem is, it's the same defense that they had three years ago. Um, and the only guy left is Peyton Wilson, who is a fucking dog, by the way. Uh, if if I'm a if I'm a team in the back end of first round draft uh, of the draft next year, and I got, I'm sitting there at 31, 32, 28, and I need a linebacker, this is the guy I'm going to get. He is everywhere. Twenty four tackles, got a pick already on the year. Um, 
phenomenal player, been the stud of that defense, in my opinion, for three years. That's the only thing they have um, to, to to write home about. No, no, I mean, the next closest guy has 14 tackles. And, um, I mean, you know, Van's been good. He's got three sacks on the year. But otherwise, the defense hasn't even been that phenomenal. Um, and, you know, against Notre Dame, as soon as they came out of that first weather delay, uh, into the second quarter and uh, estimate hit that 80 yard run. I was like, yeah, this is, this is over. I don't care how close this scoreboard looks. The game wasn't close. Sam Hartman knew exactly what he had to do. Um, not Sam Hartman's best game, but I right, cer- certainly a, a, a good game to look at. Uh, I, man, I don't, I, I, I see a couple of possible wins for NC state this year at, at Virginia's probably their and versus Marshall. Uh, to me, those are the last two. I mean, VMI is on the uh, the CW network this weekend, so you know, I, I I guess those three games. But I mean, we're talking about like four and eight this year. I don't Virginia Tech's better, Wake Forest is better, Miami's better, Clemson's better, Duke's better, Louisville is ne- negligible, maybe right at the same level. So, and fuck Marshall, man, Marshall could beat State any any given day this year. I think so. Um, I, I'm not optimistic about them. I hope they just finally have that one absolutely unacceptable season that gets Dave Duran out of Raleigh and we try something else. Couldn't have said it better myself w- w- with that last sentence, especially um, to me, this, this team is like when you're trying to make ice cubes and you just, you pour the, the, the water in the ice tray and you stick it in the freezer. And it's just not like, it takes time. Like you can't just pull it out 15 minutes later and there you have ice cubes. It's just not, how it works and you can't just plug in 10 guys who have not worked with this offense before and say oh well at least the quarterback has worked with the offense before we're gonna be fine it, it doesn't work like that it, it's it's like playing operation but you're putting all the pieces in the wrong slots and you know you, that the thing goes crazy at the end when when you have a, a four and eight record or, or or whatnot that's what I think this this team is it's it's very ham-fisted it, it just seems like it seems like this season could have they could have prepped for this season a, a lot better on offense could have hit the portal a little bit better at the skill positions uh but you know i, I digress this week is 99.9 percent sure to be a win for the Wolfpack, and then we'll just kind of resume this you know when we play real teams again you know they go to virginia on a short week um that's you know that as, as rough as it's been for virginia this this season so far that's not a game i'm sleeping on either because you know, that NC State's offense simply is not good enough to blow teams off the field and, you know, minus hopefully VMI and tell me like, hey, we're going to win this game handily. You know, every game to me this year is going to be a struggle, including all the ones you mentioned out of conference. So that's uh, that's that's kind of my piece on the Wolfpack uh, for for that. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Uh, while I while I do agree with what's happening here, the 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 biggest issue is that we're sitting here in year 11 of Dave Duran and we, we don't have a roster. Nothing, nothing has been cultivated. There's not like waves of juniors and seniors coming up every single year. It's we get a freshman class, we develop it, it gets drafted. And then we wait four more years to get a freshman class to develop it. And it gets drafted. There is no, there's no staggering it. they, They don't have continuity. And I don't know what happens in the three to four years between those decent draft classes that they have because they have them I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that nc state doesn't hasn't churned out nfl talent i mean just a couple years ago 
they they were tied for number one in, in draft picks with Clemson and Alabama. They put guys out there, but it, it's it's never it's never at the same time. It, it, he, I don't know how he's been here for eleven years, and there's not some form of roster continuity anywhere except for the defense, kind of. Um, certainly not on offense. There is no roster continuity on offense. There's maybe one five-star offensive line and a bunch of guys who, you know, they found a golden corral loading up. Um, I, I just, I don't understand it, what you, what you said, I think is correct in like year three or year four, where you've come in, you've got your, your, you know, your starter class, your starter recruiting class, whatever they buy in, they do the shit. And then sometimes it falls off because it's, Sometimes you just don't recruit behind it well enough, but he's been here for 11 years and like three out of every four years is what's happening right now. It's, it's bad. It's ugly. People just ignore it and give him enough time. He has kind of a, you know, a, a, a catch a fart in a pan type of season. Um, and everyone's okay with it. And I, I'm just getting tired of it. I don't understand how he still has a job other than there's no standards there in Raleigh. I don't know how Tom O'Brien ever got fired. I don't know how Chuck Amato ever got fired. There's no standards there. Both of them are better than anything Dave Duran has done. Um, I'm, I'm just frankly getting really, 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 really tired of it. It's like chewing a piece of gum that has long since lost its flavor. You're just like, why am I still like, you're still doing it out of habit, right? Like I, I need to have this gum in my mouth. I'm out. I'm out of, out of extra sticks you know, but it, it tastes terrible. I need to go to the store and get, get another pack of gum. Like that, that's what it feels like to me, kind of watching NC State football under Doran at this point. It, it, yeah, man. We just, it's just, it's time for, time for a, a, I'm not going to say time for a change because I, that would make me in, insinuate that we need a coaching change right this second. But I, I, I don't, I fail to see how six or seven more wins, which is, I think, this team's ceiling makes our fan base be like, oh, yeah, this, this is our guy. That, that doesn't add any confidence for me. And, it, it was kind of telling last year in the Duke's Mayo Bowl when NC State didn't score a touchdown. Like that, that's just like that was just like we're supposed to be using our bowl game as development for next year, right? And like we didn't even score a touchdown against Maryland, like against a middle of the road Big Ten team. That just that that that's a, a lot of that is showing through now, kind of how how you approach those extra couple of weeks that you have at the end of the season, and that you know that absolutely plays into how you start the next season. So, yeah, sixteen to twelve loss in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, really sour way to go out uh, at the end of at the end of last year, especially because I don't like mayonnaise. I get it off my off of everything except a little bit on a BLT. Uh, that that that's fine, but yeah, yeah, man, it's just it, uninspiring. I just just really uninspiring. I think is right. is the word. Right, right now he is the gum that I've already put on my bed, on my headboard, and I've taken it off, and I'm eating the gum again. That's <laughs> that. That's how over him I am. But I have, <laughs> I have to eat it because I don't have any more gum. <laughs> well, yeah, T Tony Elliott lost his flavor after UVA, like half a season of UVA. Uh, just, I, I wanted to shout out JMU though because that was a that was a hell of an effort to come back. Uh, and after a delay, uh, shout out to Kurt, Kurt Signetti and company, the Signetti coaching family, one of the low key, uh, low key, really good college football coaching families. I know I want Connor was probably at that game, broke his, his heart, uh, just like the, the, the lions like to break his heart and the tigers do too. But, uh, you, you said that game was on drugs. So I was like, I was like kind of bummed. I didn't get to see the end of it, but as a Virginia fan too, maybe I'm glad I didn't get to see the end of it, but just, that was, that was the last thing I had on my, uh. My little agenda here for for the college football recap is just JMU's arrived. I feel like if they hadn't before, 
now people in Charlottesville know they've arrived. You know, that's a, that's, that was a, that was a big, big win for them on, on Saturday, maybe more so off the field than on the field with just that, that dynamic in the state of Virginia. Yeah. I mean, it's also a bad roster there in Virginia, but at least, you know, not, not to make light of a horrible situation, but there's certainly a reason why, you know, there, there's maybe a couple of, of, you know, dips in, in that roster uh, some some of the players are not with us anymore who are good players. Um, one thing I can take away from that JMU game, because I did turn into it when it started, uh, started the way it did. It looked like UVA was going to pull away. Um, and then JMU just clawed right back into it. But, um, you know, I, I think Tony Muskett's the quarterback going forward, but that, that little guy that they plugged in there for this game, uh, dude's got some spunk because he got killed all day and found a way to still score points. Um, the the running game looked better. I mean, it's it's gonna look better because it's against JMU, not an SEC defensive line. But you know that there was there was good stuff to take from it. You you just with with the brand names, you hope that you take that win. It, it's it's kind of demoralizing to lose, especially to kind of an in-state school like that. Um, but Tony Elliott certainly has his work cut out for him. Um, there, there's no quick fix here. Either you got to give him four years or s- scrap it and find someone who has some transfer portal pool um, and, and and restart immediately. But I, I don't think this is something that you wait two years and make a decision. You need to decide right now if if he has one year, two year, or if you're giving him four or five because it's not a quick rebuild. It's a bad roster. It's in a competitive state uh, with, you know, every conference, SEC, uh, you know, Virginia Tech's wanting them. Maryland's really close now, and they they have kind of a brand. Really, really hard to recruit that state, especially if you don't have a whole lot to sell. Um, Tony Elliott's just kind of, I don't know, he's really vanilla to me. I I don't get excited listening to him. I could go to sleep listening to him. Uh, That's, you know, ASMR maybe. I don't know. yeah, I, I haven't heard anything positive from him uh, except for, like, just happy to be here kind of bullshit, which if you're still saying that after James Madison, you got problems, and you're probably not the answer. Um, but, you know, I, I I really am hoping for the football program to pull out of, you know, the, the depths that they've been in because wh- whether or not he's using it to sugarcoat and, you know, get, give himself some more time, some more leeway, uh, what they went through is not easy to overcome, and uh, there's daily reminders about it, um, and that they already were not they were not a good team when that happened, uh, and it it just it kind of made everything worse. So I, I I hope that they can overcome that and at least at least get back to kind of you know the 2000 and what was it 17 18 team that played South Carolina in a ball game, um, you know j- just get back to being decent. That that's that's what I hope for. Yeah, and they renew a rivalry that has gone since gone by the wayside this uh this this week. And actually on Friday night, they're at Maryland. Uh so that Maryland, we're not picking that one because Maryland should be a heavy favorite in that one. But um yeah, that's a that's a, a nostalgia game for a lot of UVA fans. And we talked about that with Connor uh, a couple uh, a couple weeks ago when we had him on the show. Um so that's a seven o'clock kick on FS1 Friday night. Uh, for those of you interested, I'm certainly interested uh, to see what happens in that game for better or for worse. But um, 
Just kind of getting a thing, couple. Yeah, yeah go, I was going to hit, hit the last few points you had about Coach Prime and uh, A&M Miami, and I think you had one other game on there to talk about. The the Yeah, I mean, what, we could talk Coach Prime, but I feel like that's going to be kind of an ongoing thing, and I don't have an answer for it right now because they're going to play Colorado State. So I'm okay pushing that. Ma- mainly the question is now, now that we see that they're – that they're clearly not a scrub team. Are are they a contender? Or are they just a good Big Twelve, Pac twelve team? But I'm actually going to table that for next week because I want to get to some other stuff in this show. Um, and the last thing I want to really talk about here in the football recap: <clears throat> Texas and Bama. That was a. Uh, uh, since Nick Saban has been there, I've never seen an Alabama team get bent over in their own stadium like that. Um, I don't, I don't know if Texas is back. Texas certainly looks a lot better than they did last year. Um, actually, they look pretty similar to how they looked before Quinn Ewers went down last year at, against Alabama. Um, but that, uh, man, I, I don't know how it happens. I, I don't know how A.D. Mitchell got away from Georgia. That dude is a freaking phenomenal player. Uh, he was open – uh, way he was open more than the cousin's mouth in the state of Alabama uh, in that game, and uh, man, they they got the D line, they got the O line. All I heard about Alabama's O line this whole year was they're all three hundred and thirty pounds, and this would be an NFL line, and they just gave up sack after sack after sack like they worked at fucking Crystals. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it it was not. Uh, the scoreboard stayed kind of close because Alabama's roster is Alabama's roster. Um, Jalen Milrow had a couple of really nice passes, but I w- I'm not going to mistake him for the the you know <laughs> the plethora of quarterbacks they put into the league. You know, it, I'll even I'll include Mac Jones, Tua, Jalen Hurts. Um, he reminds me more of Blake Sims. Um, you know, from what three regimes ago, quarterback wise. Uh, who was good, but not great. He wasn't their greatest quarterback. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about Milrow. It's very clear why there was an actual quarterback competition this offseason. I'd be surprised if Milrow's a starter at the end of the season still, um, but I'm not going to place that all on him. The Alabama defense did a lot of what it did at Tennessee last year and just let guys run butt naked past them. Um, it, it, it gives me – honestly, it gives me a lot of hope because Tennessee has to go to Tuscaloosa this year. Um, LSU also goes to Tuscaloosa. I, I see, I see four or five losses on this Alabama schedule. If they don't figure out what the hell they're doing. And Nick Saban's going to be retired very, very soon. Let me tell you that. Um, yeah, man. I, I don't know if you got to watch the game. I watched the whole thing. Um, have, have you, did you get to watch any of it? Do you have any thoughts on the game? You know, I, I actually did not, but not because I didn't want to. It's because of the Disney Spectrum blackout. So I was out of ESPN. Ah, yes. That has since been resolved. So I'm good for the rest of the year, hopefully. But actually, the game I was watching instead was Oregon and Texas Tech, which ended up being ah, yes. a fantastic game, too. Uh, but back to the, the Longhorns, uh, you explained it pretty well on the field. I think off the field, the intangibles coming into this game. These dudes were pissed off, man. They should have beaten Bama in their own house last year. Uh, Bama got some help from the referees. Uh, Everybody knows that. And and they came into this game just laser focused and were like, we're going to fuck these dudes up. We're going to punch them in the mouth. We're coming out of here with a win. Well, if it's the last thing we do and they backed it up. And I think that's so great just to see, to see a team come in like that on the road against a program like that in Alabama especially being Texas, who people have been like, oh, Texas has kind of slacked for the last, you know, 10 years or so. Um, that That's just, that's 
great, great look for Steve Sarkeesian and company. I know Sark's been through the ringer at pretty much every school that he's been at. That's a, that's finally a signature win for him as a head coach. So just to just get definitely patting the Longhorns on the back. And of course, uh, my my supervisor Mike Coulter is the Texas Game Day producer, so I'm I'm glad he got to uh glad he got to be part of a big win for that broadcast crew too. I I, I said it last show at the very when we were picking this game, and uh, not not that I was pulling for Alabama whatsoever, but I just I know what kind of monster Texas is going to turn into now, having that selling point, having oil money having the the native recruiting ground that they have in texas uh i mean if you've seen what jimbo's done on the recruiting trail just um, imagine if he actually won a game of consequence at texas a&m every once in a while uh or or could develop the talent and that's kind of what i see happening here with with texas and um you know no this is not the best bama team that's ever been in the sec yes this is good timing for texas but it's it's bad timing for everyone else because they're going to be able to start selling SEC playing time, which is really the only thing Texas has not been able to sell over A and M for the last what ten years. They joined like twenty twelve, like ten years. Yeah, twenty twelve was the first year. That's like the only thing Texas A and M has had that set them apart from Texas, and now Texas has that. Um, I, I'm not particularly worried about Oklahoma. I am extremely worried about Texas and maybe not so much worried, but um, I, I think the parody is, is going to uh, start to appear in the SEC. We're starting to see it kind of this year um, so far. Of course, we're, we're just kind of through the non-conference weeks, but um, you know, Pac-12 having its record at the beginning of, the, of this year, the ACC having its record uh, at the beginning of this year, uh, both, both, conferences have done very well against the sec and other conferences um you know just as right before they blow up but it it, it kind of feels like it, it kind of feels like the sec is weakening itself slightly by bringing in these other schools uh it's going to spread it out and i kind of curious to see if that winds up costing it uh that you know the, the conference in general uh it's 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 championship pedigree that it's had for the last 30 years, you know, going back to when Miami, Ohio state and Florida state were, were, were constants in this, in this area. Um, you know, I'm not super excited about it if I'm being honest with you, but if, if you're an outsider looking in, it's what it means is a lot of those types of matchups more frequently. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited in that way, but Texas is already, you know, a, a top five, no matter how well they do their top five in recruiting. And then you point to games like this, you point to the one like last year that just got stolen from them. I mean, flat out robbery, that Alabama, Texas game last year, they got robbed of that one. This should have been a back to back over Alabama. Um, And that's selling points that Texas didn't even really need. And now they have, and Sarkeesian has a little bit. uh, He can point to like, Hey, when I left Alabama, their offense kind of started to take a little bit of a dip. Look what happened at Texas when I got here. Um, look back at what I did at USC when I wasn't, you know, uh, you know, halfway through the Johnny Walker. Um, it, it's 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 really scary to think about, but not an SEC fan. It's probably really exciting to think about. 
I mean, as a just as a general college football fan and as someone who's around this all the time, like I'm very much looking forward to it. As much as we're hearing Texas is back now, we're going to be hearing it 10 times more next season when they are part of the best college football conference on the planet. So that, that's I'll say it right opinion. now. I'll say it right now. Texas is back. Yeah. I, I, I'm not I'm not the guy. I'm usually the one saying you're such a fucking idiot for saying that Texas is back. That yeah. th- things the stars could not have aligned more perfectly um and at night they're big and bright deep in the heart of texas so um yeah. i was i was gonna say that if you didn't uh, just when you brought up <laughs> stars um just not the just not the single blue star logo that you see in dallas uh that's not a that's not a logo that's a rating <laughs> I, I i can't wait for texas tennessee games though i know it's not gonna happen very often but i we haven't played them since i've been alive i don't think in football and i i can't wait to do that because I've, I've just been been waiting for that for most most of my life that matchup yeah the the battle of the oranges the battle battle of a couple of the oranges after the clemson versus tennessee orange bowl last year <laughs> yeah but, um, yeah the who who is the real ut is is that game yeah as a that's the end of quarter number one here on the right hash once again just a birthday shout out to the namesake of our studios nasser alexander kuchek he would have been 31 on the day of this recording and as we head to the second quarter well we're gonna make some picks college football style we'll structure it today with college first half picks here in the second quarter and then third quarter we will talk some nfl recap and preview of the weekend and then we'll make picks in the fourth quarter um but uh nine games here plus our surprise in these for a total of 10 and let's just we'll just jump right into it with a a noon kick in Missouri, an old Big 12 matchup, now a Big 12 versus SEC matchup, if you want to call it that. If you can call Missouri an SEC team. Um, but Missouri and Kansas State, um, this is uh, kind of a popcorn game in my opinion. Um, you know, If Kansas State do- still had Deuce Vaughn, I might give them the edge in that one. Um, but I'm, I'm going to give Mizzou the edge here at home. Really have no clue how this one's going to go. I think it was a high-scoring game last year. Um, but I like that this rivalry, if if you want to call it that, is this this matchup has been resurrected for a couple of years. Um, not not a long bus ride for uh, Kansas State. There's probably going to be a nice mix in the crowd of the K- KSU purple and silver with the Mizzou black and gold. That'll look really nice, I think. Um, no idea what the football is going to look like, but I think Missouri is going to win. 40 to 13, uh, 40 to 12, sorry, 40 to 12 last year uh, oh, okay. in the favor of the Wildcats. Um and I, I think that's exactly why Mizzou wins this game. Uh, that that was an outlier. Uh, outside of the Tennessee game, which you just kind of expect Tennessee last year to put up a lot of points, outside of that Tennessee game, they held pretty much everyone, including Georgia, below 30, um, except for Kansas State. And that is a that is a point of pride there for, for Missouri um, with their end zone that is just full of rocks for some reason. Um, but, you know, I – if they if they needed the seats, I'm sure that they would be seats instead. But they don't need the seats. Um, but the, the the limited fan base that will show up on Saturday uh, is going to enjoy a win over a ranked Kansas State team, in my opinion. I don't know if they're doing this this year, but last year, at least for the Georgia game, every time Georgia had a third down, they played the Mets trumpet 
that Edwin Diaz runs out to the Narcos theme. And good God, it got so annoying, mainly because I, it made me think of the Mets. But I, just, I wonder if they're going to do that this year. That's about the only other interesting thing I have about, about Missouri football, <laughs> maybe maybe for the rest of the year. Um, Excuse but... me. That is that is, uh, that is a Harry and uh, Adrianza's walkout music. Thank you. Uh, uh, I will hear nothing else of it. That's the only time it's been played in the postseason was for him. So uh, I think he, get, <laughs> he gets to claim it, in my opinion. Stay tuned for more about the Braves in just a little bit. <laughs> LSU and Mississippi State. Boy, this was a this was a I really, really want to type of pick. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really want to experience quarterback the cowbells ringing at uh, at Mississippi State. Uh, forget the Davis Wade Stadium. There you go. I, I blanked on the name of their stadium. Uh, it's a day game, though. Um, and it's not going to have as much of the the charged up atmosphere as a night game would have. Really, really want to go with Will Rogers, the experienced quarterback who I think has been there for 17 years now. Um, but I, I am picking LSU. Uh, did pick them to go to the playoff, and I'm I'm not going to take them to get derailed here this early in the season. Uh, give me the Bayou Bengals here by 10 points. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure Will Rogers got an extra year for the bubonic plague, so he's been there for a while. <laughs> um, I, I I think I think this is the get right game for LSU, though. You know, they, they had a good game versus a nobody last week come off a shellacking week one uh I I think this is the get right game but I echo everything you said I really like Will Rogers I uh, so close this was almost my surprise indie of the week very very close to it um but I just LSU's a better team they have a better quarterback I, I I think that that's just fair to say nine and a half point favorites though on the road I think this game was probably closer than the spread but um lsu lsu yeah i just i just i like i said really want to but i i just i don't want to contradict my playoff predictions too too early because i just that would just that would just make me seem like a wishy-washy fool i mean it it happens though i mean it's not like you're up there predicting texas a&m to go to the finals (laughs) like des yeah like i mean (laughs) uh yeah we could do a whole segment on that but I mean, it's 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 fair. Looking at the way they started week one, I mean, you pick the games in front of you, whether or not it blows your preseason predictions out of the water. Um, but yeah, man, should should be a good game. Another one that I think will be de- a decent game. This is a Big Ten versus ACC matchup uh, in Chapel Hill, Minnesota and North Carolina. I guess the first leg of a home and home here. Um, but you know, PJ Fleck bringing his shirt and tie down to wine and cheese country where most people just wear shirt and ties for no fucking reason. I don't know why. Um, yeah. Another one of those instances where I, there's one team I really would like to pick for different reasons than uh, LSU Mississippi state, but I just, I just can't do it. Drake may is going to be the best player on the field. Um, I, I think it'll be a lower scoring game than, than what people think. Minnesota is going to want to keep the score down in this game, but I, I think ultimately Carolina's offense is going to be a little bit too much. Um, you know, no Tez Walker, of course, that's a much publicized saga going on, but I think the Tar Heels do just enough in this ball game. Yeah. I, I still don't know how to pronounce Minnesota's quarterback's name. Ka- Kalia Kmanis. Kalia Kmanis. Um, yeah. I have no idea. Stay tuned. I, all, I could, all I could think of is Andy Milanakis whenever I see that. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, UNC, uh, seven and a half point favorites right now. Um, tickets are only 20 bucks though. Uh, so if that tells you anything about uh, where real football country is, it is not in the state of North Carolina because in an SEC state, this this is an $80 ticket easily, especially in a 
stadium that size. Uh, over-unders at, at 51, so they, they are kind of expecting a little bit of a, you know, 32 to uh, 20-ish type of game, which I, I, I could see. Uh, Minnesota's going to have a stout defense, but I see this one going similarly to the North Carolina-South Carolina game where it's probably closer in the first half and then uh, North Carolina just kind of pulls away a little bit. Um, I think they win by more than the seven and a half, but I don't think it's going to be like a blowout. It's going to feel like a really good football game. Yeah, I think that's fair. Kind of one of those where they pull away in the fourth quarter, you know, like Minnesota kind of runs out of gas. But uh, if it comes down to a field goal, though, Minnesota's kicker nailed that one against Nebraska straight down the middle from, I think, 48 yards to walk it off. So uh, if special teams come into this game, I'm giving Minnesota the edge, but uh, definitely giving uh, giving. Mac Brown and the Tar Heels, the edge overall over PJ Flex. We have very well dressed co- coaching matchup. That'll that'll be cool. Um, <laughs> from one Carolina to the next. I mean, this game is not in the Carolinas, but South Carolina travels to Athens to take on the Georgia Bulldogs. We tipped our hands a little bit in the first quarter, so we won't spend too much time on this one. I've got the dogs. Um, I think you said you also have the dogs in this one. Um, what is the spread on this one? You write the spreads down. What, what what's George? What is, what's Georgia given to South Carolina in this one? Twenty-seven and a half. And wow. Okay, I definitely think South Carolina is going to lose by less than that. That that that's <laughs> that's my first line here is just, <laughs> South Carolina has the potential to keep this way closer than this line. Um, South Carolina, for the better part of since Steve Spurrier took the job, has just found a way every season to to give you a weight. They won that game type of moment. They they've had really two at the end of the last two seasons, um, and in terms of you know Shane Beamer's tenure, this is certainly the most gettable the dogs have been. Um, I'm not saying they're going to win because I'm I'm not picking them to win, but I, I, I'm just saying that this one could happen. I I did like last year, two years ago, no chance. There's a chance this year. It's not a good one. But it's it's finally in the realm of possibility uh, that they maybe have just, I don't know, that game that they played uh, against Tennessee or Clemson last year. Rattler's, Rattler's a streaky guy. Um, and if he gets into his rhythm and Xavier Leggett gets loose, you know, maybe you don't have a any DB that can cover him one-on-one. Watch out, man. Watch out. Um, 27 and a half is... 27 and a half is what I would have given last year's UGA team. This year's team, I would have put this at about 18 or 19. Yeah, I think I think we're both in agreement here that that spreads a little bit too high, but um yeah, man, just going back to what I said in the first 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 quarter, need a big game from Brock Bowers if you're Georgia. Um you need you need to make Carson Beck comfortable back there. Um and you, you really haven't had the competition in the first two games to really tell yourself anything about who you are. So this is this is almost like a almost like a season opener for for the the dogs in this one. Definitely the SEC opener. So a uh, lot, yep. lot of lot lot at stake here for for Georgia early in in this one. Georgia Georgia and Tennessee both kind of started with the same type of schedule where no matter what you did, you didn't no you have no idea what you have until week three. So yeah. um the, the the litmus test games are coming for both of those teams this week. And here's a sneaky matchup here in the state of North Carolina, back to the state of North Carolina, Appalachian state and East Carolina. I believe this game is in Boone. I believe um, Boone. Good Boone. old Boone. 
Goodness, nice. That's a lot. Of, that is a lot of driving on interstate, uh, interstate 40 and us 421, which I, I wish was numbered one number less. I uh, so mean, the interstate the... 420 plus one. Correct. Correct. Where, where, where's my stylization? Where, where, where am I for, <laughs> we're not in the NFL portion of the show yet. So it's not in my head, but I've got the Mountaineers, <laughs> the Mountaineers here. Um, ECU just deflated. I feel like after that loss to Marshall on their home field, um, and to say nothing of their game against Michigan, who beat them up pretty good app on the other hand, um, you know, they, they had every chance to win that game at North Carolina last week. Uh, some will tell you they probably should have won the game. Uh, but I digress. Yeah. I think app is the much better team here. This is, this is a regional matchup of interest, but I don't think it's going to be a very good game. Uh, I think, I think app really, really stomps them. Yeah, and in this state, it's not even about football. This is, I mean, it's about as far apart as you can be in a state and still be in the same state. Uh, reminds me of like Tennessee versus Memphis, where they're technically in the same state, but they're they're way, way, way further apart than a lot of other. Uh, I mean, they're further away than Tennessee is from any of the Virginia teams or South Carolina or Georgia. Um, this one, though. App is nine and a half point favorites, but this this one this one is for some some bigger stakes. This is this is the tomato based versus vinegar based barbecue bowl. Uh, this is beach versus the mountains. That these two these two teams are not alike. Uh, I mean, th- this is alcohol partying at ECU versus uh, you know we we just do a little bit of the right hash up here in Boone. That it, it could not be more of a different sibling rivalry. Um, I'm st- I'm taking app because it's in Boone, but I- I'm not watching this for the football. I'm watching this for you know the the fan interaction. I'm watching this for the 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 internal ties that you and I both know. Uh, us being here, literally in the middle of the pretty much the midway point of these two teams, um, and how different coastal North Carolina and Mountain North Carolina are. If you've lived here, you know it's a big difference. Um, that th- this isn't like NC State, Duke, and UNC where they're all on top of each other. These are vastly different types of fan bases, and it's a lot of fun when they do rarely come together. I'm picking App though. They will drive past if if ECU, assuming ECU is taking a bus, they will drive past pretty much both branches of the yep. Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. Fun fact for the day. Uh, that's yep. that, that that's a that's a lot of North Carolina to go through on, on a bus. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, the last thing about this game, there are going to be so many UNC basketball fans in attendance because once football <laughs> season ends, both of these fan bases take off their purple or black and gold, and they put on the Carolina blue for basketball season. I, I know that for a fact. Uh, just don't, don't even try to convince me otherwise. That this is the UNC basketball bowl. They should put the the Air Jordan logo on on the uniforms for this game. <laughs> I mean, to 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 your point, you, you might actually be a lot closer to being right than you than you're even joking but uh like i said unc football 21 tickets and 21 dollars for tickets in their own stadium this game 117 dollars to get into this one so uh kid, kid brewer stadium i guess it's probably about the same size as keenan um i think it's a of, little smaller i think it's, I think it's in yeah. the 30s it's in the 30s it, yeah it's not quite the 40 or low 50s but you know by and large they're they're pretty similar uh, but 117 to get into this one, five times as much as it takes to get into the Minnesota game. So may- maybe you're right. Maybe this is just the UNC basketball fans going to see the teams they really like. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, we're moving over to another side of the country now, or I guess another part of the country. Washington is traveling from the West Coast to take on Michigan State. This was a a laugher last year. Uh, Michigan State is in a lot of uh, a lot of uh, turmoil right now with Mel Tucker. Uh, we're we're not here to get into that. We're not here to speculate on what might happen with Coach Tucker and his job. He's currently under suspension, um, so there's that's there's a lot to be worked out there. Mel Tucker or no Mel Tucker, I think Washington wins this game. I picked against Washington in week one, home against Boise State. They clobbered Boise State. I'm not going to make that mistake again. Uh, fun fact about this one, we're going to be hearing a lot on the radio of Tony Castricone, who is the, the Washington play-by-play man. He's got one of my favorite touchdown calls. He simply says, two arms up, like the referee signaling a touchdown. He's going to be saying that a lot in this game, I have a feeling. Um, going to be high scoring, I think. And I think Washington's going to win uh, on the road. That's not a, I mean, didn't realize they were up to number 10 in the country. Yeah. Um, you know, it just kind of seems where they always sit uh, until they play some of the better teams. But, um, you know, Michael Penix is a beast. He could have come out last year uh, and, you know, probably been in the first three or four rounds of, of the draft. Uh, he's certainly the straw that stirs the drink for them. Uh, 16 point favorites in East Lansing. Um, of course, you know, we're not picking it, uh, uh, with the spread, but, um, I think it's going to be closer than that. I think this Mel Tucker stuff, I'm not going to comment on it directly. Um, that there's a process that needs to play out there. We need to get the facts. There's a very serious, uh, allegations against him. And I would rather know completely before I even talk about it. Uh, but like you said, he's under suspension. They're doing everything the right way as of right now. Uh, and I, I think that's something that could, ca- uh, you know, be a catalyst um, for a Michigan State roster that two years ago got Mel Tucker a 10-year deal because it was so stout, so good. Um, and the, the roster is still good. It's just not being, uh, I don't know, it doesn't look very motivated. And I, I'm picking Washington to win this game, but I just don't think, I don't think 16 is what a team in Michigan State's place is going to allow happen. Um I don't know how the players feel about Mel Tucker. I, I don't really care. That's their head coach. And I think they're going to go out there and right, wrong, or indifferent play for him. I think this is going to be, as Lee Corso would say, closer than the experts think. Yeah, I like, like the, I just like the matchup, too. This is kind of a yeah. fresh Pac-12 Big Ten matchup, which will be a conference matchup soon enough. Um, actually, kind of forgot about that while, while talking about this game. but Absolutely. Um, that is uh that is the next that then that's uh that's I think that's a night game uh, another another night game is the backyard brawl one it's of our favorites o'clock. man five, five all right I'm counting that o'clock. I'm counting it'll be dark by the time that that game ends so I'm I'm counting it uh, but yeah, yeah streaming streaming only too no that's a stream only game by the way that's yep. not on NBC television for those of you interested in watching Pitt and West Virginia the backyard brawl one of my favorites i've you know, i've driven through the state of west virginia up to pittsburgh hundreds of times morgantown is going to be rocking um i had a professor in college who went to pitt and he told us that when this was a rivalry and they would play it over thanksgiving break he would have to be separated from his brother physically by their parents during this game and they'd have to watch it in separate rooms it is that kind of rivalry i just i i love that we we get it again even if it's not going to be an every year thing uh, 2007 was probably the most famous one where West Virginia, all they had to do was beat a lowly, not bowl eligible pit team to go to the national championship. They lost in Morgantown. Uh, it was, it was a great spoiler event. Um, this, this is a, this is just one of the best games in the business. Alex, I want, I want to hear your pick first. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, 
Yes. Um, so that this one, this is the most expensive ticket in the country this weekend. Uh, and if if the game is anything like what it was last year, it's it's worth it's worth the money to go. Um, well, once I heard that people last year were buying Pittsburgh season tickets just so they could have uh, a seat as a West Virginia fan in that stadium, um, that that's just, that's SEC shit right there. I, I respect the hell out of that. Um, that was my introduction to that concept. I, I'm sure that's been around for years, but that was my introduction to the concept. Um, West Virginia two and a half point favorites right now. Uh, really wish this game didn't have to be on at the exact same time as Tennessee, Florida, because this is like the other game that I really, really want to watch this weekend. Um, And I'm I'm not going to be able to, at least not as much as I want to, but both these teams, same weight class. Uh, But I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking the team playing at home and I can already hear the end of the game. Now country roads, take me home to the place I belong. I, I, I love it. We're rolling with the Nears for the second time in this episode. We got the Absate Mountaineers and the West Virginia Mountaineers rolling. Not so fast, my friend. And that's why I wanted you to pick the game first. I've got the Panthers in this one. It's going to be exactly like last year. Going to come down to the final, final series, final play. Uh, this is going to be the most exciting game of the weekend. I'm jazzed. Um, Georgia, South Carolina should be ending at around the same time that this game is starting. I'll be able to just watch that game during the post game show. And I'm just, I'm very excited. The Disney spectrum blackout is over. So I'm, I'm also very excited about that. Uh, but, but give, give me pit here. I'm taking the ACC team, uh, over the team that wishes they were in the ACC. There you go. There you go. I, I can't, can't pick, I, cannot pick the Mountaineers as a former Marshall radio guy. I'm sorry. I hope Tennessee's beating Florida so bad early in that game so I can at least put this one on and keep my eye on it. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Professor Steve, his name's Steven. If you're out there listening to this show, please don't get in a fight with your brother. Hey, don't 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 get in a fight with your brother over this game. It's not worth it. Maybe don't it listen is, to Luke. It's don't listen to Luke. Draw. It's the backyard. It's, <laughs> it's not sports without brothers fighting. <laughs> BYU and Arkansas. This is a this is a, an interesting matchup, a popcorn matchup, I think, in in, in Fayetteville. Um the new I keep forgetting that BYU is now a member of the Big 12. They're no longer an independent. Um, this is a this is a tough one to pick. Um, this was a this was a coin flip for me. I don't know a ton about each of each team, uh, other than I know Rocket Sanders is really, really good. Um, but I am going to I, I flipped a coin and it landed heads for BYU. I, I'm picking BYU in a high scoring game. It's gonna be another one of those high scoring games, I think. So uh, go 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 Cougs. Not so fast, my friends. Uh, I, I I love Arkansas in this one. Eight point favorites. They're playing in Arkansas. Um, should should be a really really. Uh, it should be a cut and dry game for Arkansas. They're the best. They're the better team. They have the better quarterback. They have the better skill player in Rocket Sanders. I don't need a lot more uh, to to take an SEC team over BYU. Um, so this game is going to look kind of like, uh, you know, some of the uh, old SEC games where Penn State would be on the road and they're wearing their all whites. Uh, I'm just kind of picturing like 90s all white Penn State uh, inside of, you know, Arkansas or an Alabama stadium. Visually, this this is going to look a lot better than it probably is going to be. Um, only thing I have to say to Razorback Nation, uh, watch your wives. Don't let them go out on the streets by themselves. 
Uh, they're everywhere. They, they collect them. Um, don't, don't let them out of your sight. Keep them with you. Uh, stay by their side. Woo pig suey. I, I like it. We had some, a lot of agreement in the first half of the picks. Now we have some dissension. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, and we, we can each, we can each keep score on the not so fast, my friends uh, this week. Um, well, that brings us to the third Sunday, the third Sunday, Jesus Christ, the third Saturday in September, Gainesville, Florida, Tennessee and Florida. We talked a little bit about this game at, in the first quarter, but but is there anything you'd like to get across before we make our picks for your favorite team? Uh, I, I'm going to let you pick and then I'm going to talk because I, right, well, I, know, I know who you're picking. Uh, yep, and I, I'm picking Tennessee in this game. I've done nothing but shit on Billy Napier this whole offseason slash season. Um, I am not a Tennessee fan, which means I do not harbor that eternal Tennessee pessimism that my esteemed podcast partner often espouses on this show. Um, you know, I saw, saw enough of Tennessee in that Virginia game, even though it's a step up in competition here in theory um, that, that even if the swamp is doing what the swamp is supposed to do, I think Tennessee is just better than Florida. They're better coached. They've got better skill players. They've got a better defense. I just, I think that Tennessee should, you know, every, all signs point to Tennessee winning this game, which is why I, as a non-Tennessee fan, am picking them to do it because I don't have a reason not to. Yeah, and I I very much appreciative of you just taking what sometimes we fail to see as Tennessee fans. Um, we haven't won in the swamp since two thousand and three. That is twenty years of losing in the swamp, and it's been to every it's been to AJ Appleby, it's been to Felipe Franks, it's been to Kyle Trask. It, Graham Mertz is probably the best quarterback that we've gone to the swamp and played since Tim Tebow. Um, Joe, Joe Milton has not played a true road game in his career at Tennessee, except for the pit game that he started and did, and did not finish. And he was playing poorly in that game. And I kind of see the same Joe right now. And we haven't played on the road yet. We played a neutral game in front of 70,000 Tennessee fans in Nissan Stadium. And we played a home game in front of 102,000 Tennessee fans in Neyland Stadium. And it just doesn't translate. This, I, 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 have, I have the death triangle in the SEC East. And it, it, it checks out. Trust me, I've done the math. No matter how good of a Florida team they have, they will always lose to a worse Kentucky team. No matter how good of a Kentucky team they have, they will always lose to a worse Tennessee team. And no matter how good of a Tennessee team they have, they will always lose to a worse Florida team. I've seen it, and until I don't see it consistently, we've won, we've won against them twice since 2003. Twice. And I don't have any reason to believe that we will do it for consecutive years this year. If this was in Neyland, I would I, I'd feel better. If this was a noon game, I would feel better. If we had Hendon Hooker, I would feel better. None of those three things are true. Unfollow me if you feel like it. I'm just telling you exactly what my gut feeling tells me. And I listen to my gut when I'm doing my picks. Florida wins this game. Tennessee is seven, roughly seven point favorite, six and a half, seven and a half. Um, 
it's going to be a field goal. It's going to be a Hail Mary. It's going to be some random guy wide open on the sideline, 70 yards downfield, nobody around him for the last play. I don't know how it's going to happen. I, just my gut tells me all, everything is lining up for Florida in terms of Tennessee not being what we thought it was going to be. Tennessee's de- defense maybe is better. Florida's offensive line has given up the most sacks of an SEC team so far. That's a good matchup. I I just – I see Joe Milton getting rattled early by both the crowd and a, a Florida team playing over its head like they do every time we match up. And it just I, – I, I can see it happening already. I, I have watched this 7 o'clock Tennessee ranked higher than Florida on ESPN matchup several times in my life, and not a single time have we won that since 2004. So – there's my piece. I'm picking Florida. On the road, in conference, at night. The holy trinity of, of where upsets brew. Uh, so that's that's uh, that's those three prepositions. On, in, at. On the road, in conference, at night. So that's that's that if if, if your pick comes to fruition, that's what I'm I'm gonna say is is why why it happened. But you know, Alex with the real actual football description there. Um and, and in the first quarter too, uh, since he knows way more about Tennessee football than than I ever will if I live to be a hundred. Um so there you it have sucks. it there. I I hate uh, that, to feel that way, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get it, man. I totally, totally understand. It's like when Washington commanders are really, really bad, but I still feel like an I still feel like I have to pick them anyway. But we're still not done with college picks. We still have one more each. The surprise indies, which the namesake of our studios coined the term quite some time ago, I think in late 2012 or early 2013, around the time Texas A&M joined the SEC. Uh, I'll start, and mine comes from my home state, uh, as I, I like to do these with a little bit more sentimental value and a little bit, a little bit more abstract than uh, than just looking at the raw numbers and stuff. So, it's a team that you might not have heard of, not Norfolk State, not Norfolk State, Norfolk State. The Norfolk State Spartans are going to go into Philadelphia and beat Temple at Lincoln Financial Field. Akron almost beat Temple a couple weeks ago, and Morgan State, out of the MEAC, the same conference as Norfolk State, almost beat Akron in Akron last week, then fumbled the game away, literally, on the last drive. I just think I think this is a perfect, perfect scenario for one of those kind of nobody really sees it happening. Nobody sees it as it's happening, but another one of those fcs over fc fbs upsets um temple's just traditionally one of the weakest fbs programs out there uh this is gonna be a norfolk state team with nothing to lose and you know seven five seven stand up man that's gonna be a fun bus ride home uh back to the back to the beach area in virginia give me the spartans over temple in lincoln financial field very interesting um norfolk means you know something else where i come from um, I need I neither kiss nor fuck women. <laughs> yeah, exact or or livestock. Um, yeah, is this one you said Lincoln Financial? I was hoping this one was at Dick Price because that's it's fun to hear Dick Price on <laughs> broadcast. Um, but yeah, cool. I, I there's not even a spread for this game. Um, you know, like you you said, nobody sees this coming. I don't think anybody's seeing this one at all, Luke. But yeah, I, I know I know you'll be watching it or at least keeping an eye on the score. Uh, and more power, dude. If if that happens, I don't know that they, they replaced Bear pretty quick on 
uh, on game day, they could replace that Stanford Steve or whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, no I problem. Mean, we, had, we, had, we had a tough enough time coming up with enough games to pick this week. I was like, I'm deep reaching real deep for my surprise indie. <laughs> this is one of those. Uh, this is one of those goes on the resume if it happens type of surprise indie. So, <laughs> uh, good for you. And I'm taking uh, the fighting Dave Durans of NIU to beat Nebraska on the you know uh, in Nebraska. Um, Nebraska 11 and a half point favorites. Yep. I am. I've come <laughs> that far with Nebraska in only two games. I, I had them preseason, basically second or third uh, to finish on, on their side of the big 10. And now I have uh, them losing to NIU um, mostly because Jeff Sims has been absolutely tragic. Uh, it is the Justin Fields of college football. Uh, good runner atrocious if he ever has to throw the throw the football um you know uh, two middle of the road quarterbacks probably wins both games that nebraska lost this year already um i i I just think niu pulls this one out and i've lost every bit of preseason faith that i had nebraska you know cut and dry i have nothing else to say go what are the are they the The huskies there the huskies Huskies. yeah there's some sort of wolf over there um (laughs) yeah they're the Huskies, the noun, not the adjective, which I, I guess if they were the adjective, you probably would have wanted to pick them even more. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure that their linemen are, are decent. They got potatoes and <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's a, it's a, that's a great pick. Actually. That's a really, that's a very, uh, there's, there's precedent for that pick, you know, yeah. uh, Northern Illinois always kind of been giant killers they've got they won at maryland when i was in elementary school i remember them for that you know they won at georgia tech a couple of times including this past season uh or no the last season then they won at boston college this year which was the upset that they pulled so yeah that's that's a solid pick and that i would like to see matt rule just with egg on his face that's just he's just one of those guys i'm like i don't really want to see you have any success not because i dislike you as a person just because i don't think you're a very good coach and you don't deserve to make the money you're making and yeah, pretty much. That, that that would be. I'm definitely going to be rooting for the Huskies in that one. I, I like I like Matt Rule, um, but you know his his year one track record is what it is, and year two under him is always like just ne- next year's the year I need to have faith in Nebraska. I I jumped the gun. I thought this is going to be the time. No, no, you can't you can't fix him. He's going to win one game this year, like he has everywhere else, and then be in the playoff next year. Um, but before we move on from from picks, we have been keeping track this year. Uh, so I'm going to update us off of last week. You know, we did some recap, um, but just to catch you up with where we are, uh, Luke started off uh, with uh, week one, six and two plus hit his surprise indie. Uh, I started off four and four and hit my surprise indie. That was Wyoming over Texas Tech and Duke over Clemson, respectively. Last week, um, Luke did not have a great week, went two and six um, and did not hit the surprise indie of San Diego State over at UCLA. I went five and three, did not hit my uh, surprise indie of SMU over Oklahoma, bringing us right now to Luke being eight and eight. I am nine and seven, and we've added nine more games to this slate. We're going to hover around that eight sweet spot, but once we're into full conference play, I envision that probably going up to nine or ten repeatedly, but what uh, we're keeping track now, and I've got our NFL stats for when we go to the NFL portion um, so, uh, stay tuned uh, you know, as this goes on, we'll probably start maybe just throwing those into the Twitter, uh, descriptions of the show. Um, if, if we have the room, but, uh, yeah, just thought it would be cool to, you know, in year three, finally start keeping track of this shit. 
<laughs> Definitely. And if, if you're listening to this and you have an opinion about one of our picks, reply. You know, if you want to make your own picks, your own surprise indie, tell us, man. We will, we, if you get it right, we'll shout you out on the next show. So that's open to anybody. If you want to, you don't have to make the picks of all the games, but if you, if you disagree with us on one, you know, if, if you both, if you think that ECU is going to go in there and beat Appalachian State, let us know, man. We, we will shout you out if you end up being right. But that's the end of the second quarter here on this episode of The Right Hash. Um, lots of lots of college football. This is what the shows are gonna gonna look like and sound like for the next couple of months, man. This is these are the good old days, as we say on the <laughs> Georgia Bulldogs Sports Network. Uh, and uh, but we're gonna take a quick break from football because Alex has a very important baseball announcement that belongs right here in the middle of the show. Yeah, uh, where do you fit in baseball amongst the, the 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 bushes and brambles of college and pro football season? Uh, you put it right in the middle and then move on. Congratulations to my Atlanta Braves, the first team to clinch the playoffs, and then also last night in front of the fans there in Philadelphia in Citizens Bank Park, clinch the NL East. Um, I always love when that happens in front of the team that you clinched it over. Um, so, and it couldn't have happened to a better fan base. Congratulations, Phillies for watching, uh, your, your, your dad, uh, do what he does last night and, um, going to be a great off season. We are probably going to start with the Phillies, uh, in, in the, in the postseason. So, uh, go Braves and we'll talk about them as the postseason presses on. You know, I'm going to have to hope that it doesn't end up like last year's series against Philly, but as somebody who has been to two Braves Phillies games in Philadelphia and the Braves have won both. That was cool to see for me too. Um, I've got, got family on both sides who are, uh, who are big time Philly sports fans. That definitely includes Ooh. baseball. And I, I used to get made fun of, I rooted, you know, rooting for the Braves growing up. I root for the Orioles more now, but the Braves being on TBS, you know, I was, I, I rooted for the Braves too. And I got made fun of for being Southern and a redneck by all my family in Philly. Cause I rooted for the Atlanta team. So that's, that's, that's the shout out there. Uh, too many family members to to name uh, by on on each side, but all all y'all can can go shove it. Um, and you guys are going to lose in the first round to the Braves, who are going to play the Orioles in the World Series. But uh, that's that's my hey, baseball man. piece. <laughs> we st- we still got fourteen games left in this season. Matt Olson is tied for the Bra- Braves' home run record with Andrew Jones, who just had his jersey retired last weekend. Um, and the Braves just set the National League uh, home run record for a season. And like I said, still fourteen games left. A uh, lot, lot of room to pad some stats, which I'm excited to see. That this, this is going to be one of the most historic offenses the game's ever seen, and I'm just glad it's my team for once doing it. Well, speaking of historic, here as we continue halftime on the right hash, history was made in the right hash fantasy football league with Rob Jordan, our soccer correspondent, our our third member of our Right Hosh podcast, which you can listen to the latest episode that dropped earlier this week on our Spotify or Twitter or Anchor. Rob Jordan played in his first fantasy football game of uh, as a member of the Right Hash and and he lost to me. I got the win over Rob in, in, in this, uh, in, in the first game. So I'm just, I'm very, very happy that I got a win. I've got a winning record. This is the only league out of four that I got a win in, in week one. And it was just great that it was over, you know, the, just one of our members of our right hash family. I can brag about it on the show next time we do it. The Tyler Bass out of the, you know, the Josh Allen, I thought Josh Allen was going to outscore Tyler Bass by however many points he needed to, but it turned out Josh Allen was more interested in throwing the ball to Jordan Whitehead of the Jets 
than uh than any of his Bills receivers, which include Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs. So just wanted I wanted to pat myself on the back. I wanted to pat Josh Allen on the back and just want to say thanks to everybody for joining the league who's in it. And we we had a, a, a super fun oh we had a super fun week one and just here's here's so many more. Your your week one certainly a lot better than mine. Uh I, I go down to sad gamecock because um I I apparently started the mash unit uh this weekend where I lost Deontay Johnson, JK Dobbins, uh and um Aaron Rodgers all in the same week. Um that thankfully Rodgers wasn't playing for me, but he was kind of my uh Justin Fields if this ship goes down type of uh uh backup plan and that that didn't work out. I've got Cup and and Jonathan Taylor on the bench, but uh I play you this week. Uh so um, I, I think you're going to go for the back-to-back and sweep the right hash, right hosh uh, uh, rivalries. Um, maybe maybe it won't, but I'm starting Puka Nakua at wide receiver, and you have DK Metcalf in your flex. So I, I certainly like your team a lot better than I like uh, what is remaining of mine. I, I feel very much like the Jets to where I just got kicked in the teeth, except for I didn't come back and win the game. And one more right hash family member we need to shout out uh, for this league. Zach Burhan's getting a win in his first game. A- ETN with Cousins is his team name. Uh, he put up the second highest amount of points in the, the league, uh, 127.86. But nobody could touch Alex Roth, who had a blistering 172.54. So uh, he is occupies first place in the, uh, in the league based on points after week one. And then, of course, uh, tune into next week's show for uh, the break- complete breakdown of the right hash clash, the OG right hash clash as Alex and I go at it this week in the right hash fantasy league. I, I did lose in the big money league too. I don't want to dwell on that, but still plenty of fantasy football to be played there. That was, that was the Alex Roth uh, auto draft team. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, that's right. That, uh, I mean, uh, 37 points from Dallas should be illegal, but also, I mean, Bijan stepped onto the scene. Aaron Jones stepped onto the scene. Calvin Ridley, Stephon Diggs did their shit. Like, I mean, dude, dude didn't, dude didn't really miss, and he still had a, almost a, a goose egg from Tyler Lockett, and he scored 172 points. And this is a standard PPR league with with ten people, so you know, not the worst, not the best teams, and just absolutely. I mean, and Michael Pittman on his bench, who would have been my leading receiver, so. Yeah, uh, I'm really glad NC State lost, so I didn't have to give you one of the few players on my team worth of shit. Uh, so there we go, and we, we move on. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Puka Nakua is uh, the, the, the next coming of Cooper Cup. Um, they kind of sound <laughs> the same, I guess. <laughs> we'll see. We will see. Tune in next week to see how this all shook out. On to quarter number three here. On this episode of the right hash to the NFL portion of our show, it just it just seems like those those college football portions of our shows go go. There's so much to to digest, and then by the time we get to this NFL portion, it's like like the downswing of a roller coaster where we're just kind of kind of got our arms up and enjoying ourselves. Um, and I definitely <laughs> am enjoying myself after the first week because the Washington Commanders got a win. Um, just I, it, it, I don't care how we do it in in the NFL, man. We just we got to get dubs. We got to score more points than the other team. And it was really ugly for Washington for most of that game, but eking out a 20 to 16 win against Arizona made my Sunday. Very, very, very happy. Um, Alex's Jaguars getting a win on the road against the division rival Indianapolis Colts. Um, the, the biggest thing I took away though, is 
just Daniel Jones just completely laying an egg. The Giants not even showing up. Um, and I, you know, I don't like either the Giants or the Cowboys, but I, I think I, at this point in my life, I know more cooler Cowboys fans than I know cool Giants fans. So I was like, you know what? At least a couple of my friends are happy watching this. And a lot of people that I know who like the Giants are not happy watching this. That made me really, really content to see that 40 to nothing blowout uh, for the Cowboys. But I just, it just begged the question, like, what the fuck were the Giants doing? signing Daniel Jones to that long-term deal where they're paying him as much as they're paying him. They should have known something like this was going to happen. And I just, I don't think it could have happened to a better team, a better organization or a better quarterback for to just come out in week one with all that hype and just completely fall flat on your face. I just, that team fucking deserves it. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly, I, I, I don't have the disdain or same opinion of Daniel Jones as you do. Um, I I am not going to say he played a great game. I'm not going to say he's a superstar quarterback. Um, you know, with what quarterbacks are getting paid these days, I think he's, I, I think he's roughly paid right. I mean, Kirk Cousins is making more and that sounds about right. Um, you know, you, you just look at his, look at his stats. And I mean, you know, they were uh, right there, borderline playoff team last year. Uh, the, the problem I think that reared its ugly head is this Giants team has done nothing outside of praying for draft picks to uh, materialize into NFL offensive linemen that they, they haven't done anything to protect him at all. And it, it, it showed my, my, Micah Parsons might as well have been Saquon Barkley. He was in the backfield so much. Um, I mean, that there, there were three or four Cowboys just as soon as you snap the ball. Daniel Jones has brown streaks running down his pants um, just because they're, they're back there so fast. Um, and then you take a look at, okay, well, what, 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 are, what do they do to combat this? Surely if they don't have offensive linemen, they have weapons on the outside. Nope. Fooled you again. Paris Campbell's the best that you're getting. Darius Slayton, maybe, um, you know, uh, that X uh, Redskin standout Cam Sims. Uh, Sterling Shepard and Wandale Robinson. I mean, I think Jalen Hyatt may have got a couple of snaps in there, but uh, I guess Cole Beasley's still there, but I don't, I don't know. There's another strain of COVID, so he's probably hit, hidden somewhere. Um, it Saquon Barkley did nothing. So while, while I do think criticism of Daniel Jones is completely warranted in a 40 nothing game, uh, yeah, he, he, he had to fuck up a lot too. Uh, but I, I put this on. I, I put this on the team. I put uh, their their defense scored thirty seven points, and that they weren't picks all pick sixes. They were they were beaten in every aspect: the punt returns, punt, uh, you know, kicks blocked for a return, uh, interceptions, fumbles, galore. It, it was nobody on the Giants sideline did anything right the entire night. Um, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defend. I'm not gonna sit here and defend Daniel Jones, but. I am also not going to sit here and make it out to be that he is the guy who is responsible for everyone else fucking up. It, it, it's not. I've seen him play good football. I know he can play good football. I know he's got good legs. I know he has a good arm. And when those things don't happen, usually it's because someone else is fucking up, usually. Now, interceptions that he throws, that's on him. A lot of that other stuff, I, I just can't hold him accountable for it necessarily. He's got to be better at getting into the right plays and getting into better plays and you know, putting his protection into better situations. But at the end of the day, the guys in front of him still have to block. 
They everyone knows who Micah Parsons is, and no one blocked him almost the entire night. That's not a Daniel Jones problem. I I hear you there, but I also think because they committed so many resources to him in the offseason, that hindered their ability to go out and get a big tall wide receiver or a stud interior offensive lineman. Uh, that probably could have helped them in in the in the in the, that game on Sunday. So I think you know I think there is still something to be said for you know, and every team has to deal with this right because there's a salary cap. But I think there's something to be said for what you know what you were talking about, how the Giants really didn't improve their roster all that much in the off season, but also you know when you have to use all those resources for your quarterback. You, you you it's it, you can't have it both ways really so i i just think they were they they made a choice and now they're going to have to live with that choice at least this season before they can get into free agency or work something for a trade i'm not sure when the trade deadline is but i think it's in the first half of half of the season i, I think they're they're still really missing that weapon of a wide receiver and i, I don't know if jalen hyatt could emerge as that guy um you probably know better than i do about his pro prospects but they, they've just got they've got to find an answer or, you know, somebody to back up Saquon if Saquon's not having a great game, you know, because defenses are going to zero in on Saquon and take him away and make Daniel Jones beat them, which is what Washington does every time they play the Giants. So I I, I, def, I just think that if they hadn't had to pay him so much, they definitely could have gone out and gotten somebody who would make that roster a little bit more, um, you know, more shine a little bit more as but, opposed to, you know, as opposed to what you described a, a minute ago. Let me give you some context, though, because that, you know, that contract, that bump doesn't start till next year. It, he he is the he is only the third highest cap hit on this roster. He's fifteen and a half million cap hit this year. Adore Jackson is nineteen million. Leonard Williams is thirty two million dollars. Kenny Galladay, who's not even there, is fourteen point seven. <laughs> that the, name the, just makes me laugh. <laughs> the, the, this isn't a Daniel Jones contract kept us from doing anything. Now, yes, next year uh, is like. 47 million or something. It's, it's, it's a lot, but at the same time, those other two guys, Adore Jackson and Leonard Williams, they drop down. So it's going to be pretty much the same next year. So all I'm saying is in general, da- Daniel Jones, isn't, isn't the guy, at least this year that is strangling their, their, they still have $4 million to play with. Um, they got a shit ton of dead money. Kendarius, Tony, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, that they're just not going to see. Um, so I, I, Again, I can't put any of this on Daniel Jones. It's not his contract that has strangled this team this year. He is not the reason they have nothing. It's it's the pe- the people above him who have done an absolute horrific job of carrying last year's really good roster into this year. And it it, it, it of course it's just game one. They can get better, and I have a lot of faith in Brian Dabble to do so. But they've they've hamstrung themselves. I mean, that they're they're like tenth highest paid players fucking Graham Gano. I, yeah. I I just like I don't know where their money's going. It, Daniel Jones only makes 15 million dollars this year. Leonard Williams makes 32 though. I, I guess that's where it is. How is Adore Jackson making more money than him? So uh I next year, next year I'll hear you out on the Daniel Jones contract thing. This year, nope, I'm throwing the flag, blowing the whistle. That 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 is not the problem with the Giants this year. Next year, okay, yeah. Now he's starting to suck some of the resources out of this bad boy, but uh, this year, no, nah, I, I, I just can't. I do also think that second-year coaches do tend to hit a wall sometimes. I saw this with Jim sure. Zorn in Washington, 2008. Washington was a decent team. You know, they finished eight and eight, stumbled down the stretch. Um, but you know, la- last year 
Dave Dable was kind of like he was like the hottest coach in in the league the first half of the year. Giants kind of dropped off a little bit in the middle of the season. Re, 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 um, you know, were resurgent and got a lot of help from the referees in that game in Washington, so they could go to the playoffs. But but Jim Zorn in his second year, people kind of figured him out, and I think that's what's happening here with Dable's offense in, in New York. You know, you kind of know what you have to attack if you're a defense. That that was the best game I've seen Dallas's defense play under Dan Quinn, which is saying something, in my opinion. That just shows you how prepared they were and just how like how you if you're a second year coach in this league it's not like a second year coach in college where you can like you know keep the same system maybe with slightly different players and you know bank on your opponents not being quite as prepared for it like this is the NFL and you need to constantly be improving week to week you know year to year week to week and I I don't think Brian Dable as a coach did did that very well and that's something I'm going to be paying attention to just because as a Washington fan under Jim Zorn, I noticed that like that first to second year jump can be really difficult for a lot of guys. And I'm just, I just do wonder if, if Dable is going to be a guy who makes that jump or if he is kind of one of those guys that gets just sucked up by the system. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good question because, uh, this is just such a weird game. Look at 40 to nothing. And you you just kind of sit there and think, man, Dak must've had a good game or CD lamb must've went off or, you know, Tony Pollard played out of his mind. Pollard had two touchdowns, but that's because they were set up in the red zone for both of them, pretty much. Dak Prescott, 13 to 24 for 143 yards, no picks, no interception. I mean, no picks, no touchdowns. Like, he wasn't even in the fucking game. CD Lamb had a 50 yard catch and like 20 yards outside of that. And you sit there and look at those stats, and man, it, at, the, at the very worst, this must have been a close game. Nope, 40 to nothing. I, I, and you, you look at the the giant stats, uh, you know, Daniel Jones, two picks. You can't throw those. One of those was under duress uh, and hit off the receiver's hands. Couldn't do anything about that. But I I, I will 100% blame this offensive line. And I, honestly, I blame the offensive line management of most teams that are good that suck, if that makes sense. You know, you, you know that they're good teams, but they suck because they, they failed to – scout develop by offensive line play and that's what happened here saquon had 12 carries for 51 yards like daniel jones was on his ass the entire night and micah parsons came out and called it out in his podcast earlier this week he's like i don't know what the hell the giants were doing with him in there in the fourth quarter they're just trying to get daniel jones killed he's behind the second string offensive line and you saw the first string um I, who knows? Maybe they think he's the problem. They're just trying to get him killed and get out of that contract. I don't know. Maybe you're onto something. Um, but all I know is that offensive line is going to get him killed every single week. That there is no coming back from that. It's not like there's, you know, a Jonathan Taylor uh, version of an offensive lineman wanting out of his current situation and just needs a new home. Um, they've only got four million dollars to work with. I, I still don't know what they're spending. You got to convert Leonard Williams to a guard on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I, I I just can't put it on Daniel. As much as I would like to, as as easy as it is to lay it on a quarterback, I can't, man. They they they, they haven't done anything for him. They haven't added a new piece for him since he got there. I mean Darren Waller, but Darren Darren Waller's cleats are just fucking medical boots. The the guy is always hurt. He might as well play in Washington. He he fits in perfect with the tight end room in Washington. Um, Yeah, so 
well, we'll we'll move off of the off of this particular debate, but um, I I got, I got to stand up for for the for the Duke guy. He he's plenty to blame, but they they haven't given him anything. He he is the constant that has been there in New York. They haven't put anything around him at all. Period. Um, and, and that is I a, can't I can't blame him for that. And that is, that is I'm looking at the that the roster that is a lousy interior offensive Awful. line. Lousy. Awful. I mean, Andrew Thomas is a stud at tackle, but. He's he's banged up. Evan Neal, we still need to see more on him. That interior offensive line is fucking garbage, man. Ben Bredesen, Mark Glowinski at the guards. I, I work with a couple of Giants fans. They both hate Glowinski more than any player on the team. Um, and then they've got John Michael Jingleheimer Schmitz at center. He's a rookie. We we've been over what rookie centers mean to offensive lines. We don't need to harp on that, but that's that is a lousy interior offensive line. And I'm glad that Nick Gates walked over to Washington cuz he's he's probably our best offensive lineman now. So he's our starting center. So th- thanks and, for thanks for letting us have him. <laughs> and Eric Flowers just bloomed as soon as he left New York too. So um I, th- these teams, man, they just don't understand. I I wish any of these head coaches coached in the SEC. Because at, it, it took, like, the second injury for Joe Burrow for the Bengals to go, oh, yeah, uh, we should probably protect that guy a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, 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 Tre- Trevor Lawrence runs for his life every time that ball is snapped and somehow wins football games. I, I still don't understand how they haven't put more attention to getting veterans in front of Trevor Lawrence. But that's across the league. And yeah. It's not like they spent the money on skill position players in New York for him. His best player is fucking Sterling Shepard. Like, uh, uh, where's your money going? I, I, where's my money? <laughs> where's my money, I, like, man? I I just don't I I don't I don't get it. It's like the broke boyfriend who has a job, but he comes home and he's like, "Can I have five dollars to go buy this game online?" Like, <laughs> what do you? You just came back from work. You you live here. You don't have any bills. How do you have no money? And that that's what these giants are. It's like it, your your Daniel Jones it, it, your mortgage hasn't even kicked in yet, and you're broke. What are you gonna do when it kicks in? Anyway, that th- this is going to be an ongoing problem the rest of the season. So I'm sure we will be revisiting this topic uh, consistently. All right, de- definitely, definitely. But um, you had you had a couple other things on your third quarter agenda, starting with. Actually, the the other quarterback that was supposed to play in MetLife Stadium this oh. year, um, that's just that's just bad for football, man. That's just it's bad for the league. Um, it, it was it was a bummer, man. And I'm not a fan of the guy. It was just such a bummer just seeing the air being let out of that stadium. And, and he, you know, he got up, he got up, tried to walk it off, and then I knew as soon as he sat himself back down on the ground, I was like, Aaron Rodgers doesn't do that. Like that, that's. That's this. This is a serious injury, you know, and it turns out he plays four snaps for the Jets and that's his season. So that's Didn't just that, that was a bummer. Bummer on national TV, too, on national TV. And they still won. I'm sorry, Bills. Come here. Let me get that neck. I get, get uh, if I was a Bills fan. I I would have I would have not renounced my fanhood. I would have burnt something though. That was a burn worthy performance, uh, especially one Mr. Josh Allen. Um, I just, how do you lose that game? Jacksonville beat Zach Wilson last year. How the fuck do you lose to Zach Wilson? I know their defense is good. 
but their defense is their fucking offense in New York, the Jets. I just, as soon as Rodgers went down, I'm like, oh, great, this is going to be a blowout. I had to turn this off. And the Jets stayed in it. And it's like, okay, it's 13 to three. It's 13 to three. It's 13 to six. It's 13 to six. And Josh Allen just threw another pass to that Jets defender. Okay, he's got three. I need to pick that guy up in PPR. Uh, and then they score uh, the most unlikely of touchdown where Garrett Wilson was both the best defensive back and wide receiver on that pass uh, because Zach Wilson tried everything he could to throw that throw that game away. Garrett Wilson said, nope, I'm going to knock this ball out of the air and catch it with the same one hand. Uh, one of the most phenomenal catches I've ever seen, to be honest with you. Um, and then they had the punt return. I mean, it was... That was the goodest, baddest game I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't know how the Jets did it. Aaron Rodgers didn't throw a pass, and they beat the Bills. Um, you picked the Jets, and you actually texted me before the game. You're like, did I pick the Jets? I want to change that. And I'm glad you did it because that was <laughs> the only game you got. That was the only game you got right last week, Luke, was that Jets game. <laughs> you, you almost offered if, uh, if Zach Wilson and Garrett Wilson did not connect. You would have good offered heavens, last man. week. I did not um, realize that. So, uh, good, good news for you. The, the betting slip was already in. You couldn't change it and you accidentally won. Um, but yeah, uh, that I, I just, I'm not an Aaron Rodgers fan. I picked him as my preseason MVP. I picked the Jets to win the Super Bowl. Neither one of those things are happening. I've given up on that, but I just, I don't want that to be how this guy goes out. I don't want that to be how any, any great quarterback who serves this game for as long as he does at the level that he did to go out that way. I would much rather him go out like Peyton Manning where his arms don't talk to his brain and he just kind of looks like he's having a stroke every time he throws the football, but he can still go out there and he can still lead the team. That's what I was hoping for Aaron Rodgers. I was hoping he would have that kind of Peyton Manning ride into the sunset. Um, Cause I, I, I have loved Aaron Rodgers since his ayahuasca trip, but I just can't forget all the Aaron Rodgers that came before that. So kind of like a nice meld into in, in indifference towards Aaron Rodgers. But, I, man, it sucks. And it sucks for Garrett Wilson, too, because that guy was just about to be catching passes from Aaron Rodgers. He talked about it. He's like, I, that's something I'm going to tell my grandkids one day. I was catching passes from Aaron Rodgers, and now we don't know if he's ever going to. I hope he, I hope he does. I, but. I just I can't see him retiring after this. I, I gotta I gotta believe he's gonna come back for for at least one more season. But he'll, he'll try. Way too, yeah, for sure. Was, was, well, was was it a, was it just a one year deal with the Jets? Uh, uh, two years. Okay, so he's got the ability to if he if he wants. Yes, to, which the, the, I, I strongly think he will. Contract is there. I don't I don't think that's an issue. I think the issue is is he actually going to be able to play a la Alex Smith? Now, not as disfigured, but like. Just sometimes you can't yeah. come back and play at an NFL level. Right. If, how effective, how effective and, can he be? And he's already old that, you know, the, the, the healing time is just amplified. Um, you know, uh, if, if Lamar Jackson had this injury, he would be back next season. No question. Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I, I just, it, it, it's not, it's not like he's in the work in the weight room working on legs all the time. Let's just say that. Right. Um, uh, <laughs> It's it's going to be harder, especially at his age. So I I just hope we get to see a year of what this could be. All right, that's I was really looking forward to it as a not Jets, not Aaron Rodgers fan. I was looking forward to seeing what that team from last year was going to look like with a multiple time MVP quarterback. And 
I mean, the only way that they can do that now is to go sign Peyton Manning. <laughs> and no, I don't want that to happen because that would mean there wouldn't be any more Manning cast. And I know Dude, they only do it like half the season, but I want my Manning casts. Bring Flacco back. That team was humming last year with Flacco at the beginning of the season. Go, <laughs> go, no, seriously, go back and watch what they were doing. The only reason they stat Flacco down was to see if Zach Wilson was what he it was their future quarterback so that they could address quarterback in the offseason. It's the only reason Zach Wilson was playing um, was just for them to just – give give it the old college try here we're gonna just take it take the reins here's the keys beat it up if you have to if you learn to drive great if not okay it's a beater car we'll figure out something to do um he, he fucked it up they found out something to do and then this happens bring flacco back flack flacco was balling with them you know in in relative terms to both the jets and joe flacco they were balling garrett wilson was absolutely insane go back and get flacco Go get Blake Bortles. Don't just punt this season, please. Do not punt. Offensive and defensive rookie of the year on rookie contracts away again. Please, just Jets, do the right thing. Just at least make an attempt to find a quarterback that's not named Zach Wilson. Has Josh Johnson played for the Jets yet? He's played for almost every team in the league. He, but if he hasn't played for the Jets yet, I feel like you he's only one man you got to call. Who are you going to call? Josh Johnson. Let me see. Yes. Let me see. Uh, he has played him. for the Jets. He oh, has okay. played never, for the Jets. Never mind. Never mind. He can't. We can't then. We can't. Uh, we, we've got to get that man on every NFL roster before he retires. He he <laughs> played for the Bengals, the Jets, the Colts, and the Buffalo Bills in 2015. Goodness gracious. <laughs> when he signed with Washington, because he made his first career start in Washington in 2009 as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And when Washington signed him right before that game you went to, uh, with, with the namesake of our studios, yeah. I was like, yeah. is that the same Josh Johnson? And lo and behold, it was, dude. And I just, I, I, I was just floored. <laughs> I, I I have seen like 80-year-old defensive coaches Wikipedia pages, like with career history, that are shorter than this. I mean, <laughs> from from 2008 until he's on, he's currently with the Ravens, by the way. One, two, Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. Twenty-four squads. Not all different. He repeated with the 49ers. Um, I'm also counting the times in the middle of him playing in the NFL. He played for the Sacramento Mountain Lions and the Los Angeles Wildcats. Um, but yeah, twenty-four different instances of him joining a team. Since 2008. Unreal. Damn. That's all I got to say. And damn, the, the, the damn, Jets were in 2021. Damn. Damn. As Outcast oh, would he, say. He, he was with the Jets in 2015, too. He was with the Jets twice. Oh, so I mean, we definitely can't make it a third time. We just we just can't. Oh, he's going to have to stay with Baltimore. <laughs> the San Diego Fleet are in here, too. So that's three, yeah. like, uh, those AFL, whatever. That was teams, where he came AAF. from. That was where Washington got him from. Uh, um, but I, I believe the only other thing we had between us here was the the Bengals. Man, like what what happened to the Bengals? Like that yeah. was uh, I was I was talk about. I mean, I know the game was on the road, but talk about results we were absolutely not expecting. Maybe maybe you expect Cleveland to win that game, but not by holding the Bengals out of the end zone and T Higgins over on catches. Like that was just that was about as bad of a performance by any team in the league. As as could have been in week one, yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow barely outscored Aaron Rodgers. 
um <laughs> oh, that God. that that's how bad it was i think yeah and depending on your your league the ones that i was in joe burrow was about uh tr- about tree 50 uh about tree 50 and um yeah that was lethargic is what i have written down here i'm not even sure that's a strong enough or accurate word because it was just disinterested imagine playing the cleveland browns and getting handled like deshaun watson has handled plenty of people but not nfl teams i was gonna Uh, i was gonna say i wouldn't know what that's like but they knocked washington out of the playoff contention last year in washington so unfortunately that is a little bit fresh in my mind not the other Deshaun Watson stuff, though. Okay, but, like, was Washington in a Super Bowl in the last no. two or three years? No, like, no, they were no, they were not. That, 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 again, I said it earlier. There's levels to this. And uh, <laughs> Joe Shiesty, man, um, I, don't, I don't know. Obviously, they, they just sat him out for the rest of the, the preseason after he got hurt in camp. Um, so maybe there's a bit of that, but, like, you played with Jamar Chase since you were at LSU, and you looked like you didn't know who he was. Um, you played with T. Higgins ever since you got to the league. Didn't look like you know who he was. Is Joe Mixon even still on the team? I There was just – and, you know, the Cincy defense did okay. You don't want to give up 24 points to Cleveland in week one when Deshaun Watson's coming off of a pretty ho-hum, you know, six games after his suspension last year, but – Still, they, they they got dudes. They got Chubb. They got Cooper. Uh, Elijah Moore from the Jets looked really good. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, you know, they, they've got guys there. It, it's reasonable to give up 24 points to really any NFL team. Um, but to score three? What was it? It was three, right? 24 to three? Yeah, that's correct. Like, what the hell are you doing? A, a, even a, Evan McPherson missed a field goal. Like a 45-yard field goal. What? I, that never yeah. happens. I, first time I've seen it, and I've been watching him since he was at Florida. Um, That's how you first know time I are off. First time I've seen him miss a field goal. But I, I, I can see doing this against a somewhat non-related team. But to the other team in Ohio? And you just lay down? Yeah, division rival. I mean, it just, that, 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 gives, that gives Cleveland an edge, like, all year long. Like, I don't know when they meet again, but, like, Cleveland's going to have the edge there when they go into Cincinnati, they're going to be like, we smacked these guys and it wasn't close. Like they're going to have, that's different than beating someone on a last second field goal. Like they're going to have confidence going into that game. And they're going to have confidence going into the, the next few games. I feel like, cause that, I mean, that's, that's a big, big win for the Browns. Yeah. And e- either the Bengals rebound and just kind of like, you know, kind of sh- shake their head and, and, you know, clear the cobwebs and like, okay, what the hell is going on? Let's just do what we normally do. Either that's going to happen or them and Zach Taylor have serious issues this year uh, because the the Ravens are better than they were last year and the Browns are surely better than they were last year. Um, I, I, I don't think the Steelers necessarily are, but those two definitely are uh, better than last year. And uh, I, I don't see where the Bengals upgraded in the offseason except for – their star players just got a year older. They didn't really upgrade, though. I mean, I, I mean, guess yeah. a little bit on the O-line. O- I was going to say, or- Orlando Brown was the only yeah. signing you can really point to that's like, hey, we're markedly better at this position now. Well, which is huge, and it's something they needed to address. But um, if this is what they're going to get, send him back to the Chiefs and see if it works the old way. <laughs> there, <laughs> there's start- always a team. Sorry. Go, go ahead. I was going to say, there's always a team 
that's been really good for the last, I don't know, four or five years that just kind of drops off. It's like when you pull your chair, you pull the chair out from under your friend when he's about to sit down, they just hit the ground. And last year it was the St. Louis, or excuse me, the Los Angeles Rams after winning the Super Bowl the year before. And you just, this week one, too small of a sample size, but you know, you, you pay attention this early season. You wonder if that team might be the Cincinnati Bengals for the reasons you just talked about. I mean, at, at least the Rams, like everyone knew that that they, 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 you know, wallowed in the idea of fucked in picks. Everyone knew that that's what was going to happen in St. Louis, or Los Angeles. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but this, I mean, this is, I know that you had them going really far, if not the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl. Um, I, I still don't think that's a bad pick. This is a team that can certainly turn it around, but you just have to be concerned that that's how you came out of the gates with a guy who's supposed to have the swag that Joe Burrow does. And, like, not only came out, but you stayed that way. Even after halftime, it, you know, even after the meetings on the sideline, um, you know, one game does not a career make or break, but especially a week one, but it's just that the great teams don't come out like that at all, yeah. period. They do not. Yeah. I'd have to rack my brain and see, you know, how, what was the worst week one loss for a team that was in the conference championship game? I said it's a little bit of a, a specific stat, but it's de- the Bengals game is definitely up there. Um, so probably they, the Jags. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, 2018 you're saying. Yeah, yeah. After after the Bortles, uh, we should have after the Miles Jack wasn't down. Oh it, yeah, uh, it kind of dropped off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, but at least at least they got a win. At least they got a win this Sunday or <laughs> this past Woo! Sunday. It was a, it was a, a good win quarterback. too. Yeah, I mean, it never never sneeze at divisional wins on the road, man. It never ever sneeze at those, dude. Um, so that's a Trevor Lawrence is dialed in. He he is throwing the ball really well. Calvin Ridley is Calvin fucking Ridley. Our offensive line is horrible. Um, and I'm just throwing this out there. I, I never really picked up as you know, took a stance on Anthony Richardson, pro or con, because I, I could have seen it going either way. But after just watching him up close one game, that that dude has what you need to win in the NFL. He needs to get more accurate. Um, obviously he, he need just needs more time, but I already I already know he is going to be better than CJ Stroud. And I already know he is going to be better than Justin Fields. I don't, I don't like saying that because he's a Florida Gator who plays for the Indianapolis Colts. I don't want that to be the reality, but as long as he stays healthy now, he he had to come out the last two series because he, he took, took a shot to the thigh. Gardner Minshew came in and made sure nothing got done uh, just like he did in Jacksonville. Um, but Anthony Richardson is the truth, man. You, you can just like watch how a guy, it, if you watch football enough, he just passes the eye test. His his throws weren't crazy, really strong arm, but his arm is is he 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 has he has some finesse that I don't think he gets enough credit for because he played on a horrible Florida team. But he he has nice loft, he has nice touch on his passes, um, and I I think by the end of the year. That Colts team, especially if they get Jonathan Taylor back and, and happy and, and playing, that's a team that if you have playoff aspirations and you're on the you're on the fence, you're not gonna want to see them because he is going to be with with you know with Michael Pittman, Josh Downs, Mo Alley Cox, uh who, who's your boy from Virginia, the tight end. Oh 
Oh, uh, Don, no, J- it's Jelani Don, Woods. Jelani Woods. I say Dontavian Wicks is with the Packers. There you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jelani, Jelani Woods. Woods. Like they, they, they've got some physical freaks down there in Indianapolis. And if they, if Shane Steichen and those guys can dial that in, that's a scary roster, man. They got a really good defense, really good defensive line. Um, just, I, I know I'm going to be keeping my eyes on them because they're in the division. But if you're on the outside, I, I, I would encourage you to just take a look in on a Colts game. Uh, you know, a couple of times before the end of the season and just watch Anthony Richardson and tell, tell me if you think I'm right or completely out of my tree. Uh, he he was the best rookie quarterback that I saw on Sunday, and that's including Bryce Young, who I think is going to be better. But Anthony Richardson looked way more comfortable playing in the NFL already than C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or – Will Levis didn't play. Hendon Hooker didn't play. I don't think there were any other rookies. I think it's just those three. Now, this was right. a guy that this was a guy that you and I both had being traded up for. We didn't get the teams right, but uh, yeah, we ended up ended up being traded up for. Um, so or did, did they or did they or did the Colts? They maybe have had that high pick. I can't. I'm not remembering now. But point is, we both had this guy going in the top, like in the top, you know, the top ten. Um, so well, like, we thought Will Levis was going there. So we thought someone was going to trade up right. after Will that's Levis right. went and go okay, get Richardson go. at five. There we go. So but I think I had Seattle. You had Washington trading up. So the yes. point the point stands. This guy was a prospect that people wanted, and he's that that's playing out. And I'm I'm going to be one of those people that's uh, keeping an eye on it too because yeah, you know, I I just I'm very interested in how rookie quarterbacks do just across the board, um, especially if, you know, if Sam Howell doesn't work out and Washington's going to have to look, look toward that position, you know, next draft or the one after that. So um, that's, that's just, that's always going to be a subject of interest for me. Um, I, I, I did not, I get to see any of that, any of him on Sunday. So I'll, I'll, t- I'll take your word for it, but that's a, that's, that's going to be a, another guy uh, definitely, definitely of interest. I, and I, I think, I think you can always, you can tell in week one, like, do they have it or do they not? Yeah. I'm not not really sure. So the jury's still out on those those other guys, but definitely Anthony Richardson has sometimes it, whatever it is. Sometimes you can't tell if they don't have it, but you can certainly tell if they do. Right. And that that dude does. As long as he doesn't quit football to go be a rapper, uh, he's gonna be fine. The secret so sauce. He's got the secret sauce. They are worried about that though, because he's been releasing some singles and they're you know, at least to those people, they're not half bad. Uh, so. I did. I did hear the first one. I think it was like him outside a gas station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. It, it, it did slap. Not horrible. It did slap. Like yeah, it, it 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 wasn't like the the CTE album that Antonio Brown put out. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, so I know, I know we're done with the college portion, but I forgot to mention that some Virginia fans are calling Tony Elliott because they call Tony Bennett CTB for Coach Tony Bennett, <laughs> Bennett. but some, some of them are calling. Tony Elliott CTE for coach Tony Elliott. And I don't know if that's intentional or not, but I think it's hilarious. He has Dane Bremage. <laughs> the third quarter comes to a close here as we are, uh, we're nearing the kickoff for a Thursday night football here uh, from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki studios. Once again, happy birthday to our guy, the, uh, the, the namesake of our studios would have been 31 on the day of this recording. So we're going to get some Bojangles after this show and stuff our faces with, uh, with chicken and biscuits and honey mustard, but one more order of business here in the fourth quarter NFL picks. We'll start of course, with the game that's coming on in about an hour. We're still going to pick it just because we want to know how good we're going to do. Um, and because there's an NFC East team involved and I'm picking against them. I'm taking Kirk cousins and the Minnesota Vikings to sneak away from Philadelphia with a win 
these first two weeks of the season, you just don't know what's going to happen. I've, I've noticed it's just, it's almost like an extension of the preseason. Uh, what happens in week one is rarely going to translate to week two. I don't know what the, the Vikings ate in the locker room before game week, week one against Tampa Bay, a game they should have won, but did not, um, you know, they've got great receivers. Don't really have great anything else. Uh, it's going to need to going to need to take it a Herculean effort or a Herculean effort to beat Philly tonight. But I'm, I'm picking against the Eagles because I don't like them. Uh, so give, give me the Vikings here in, in about an hour. Very, very well on your way to a uh, similar record as last week. I see. Um, <laughs> so I, no I'm comment. going with the I'm going with the Eagles. Uh, I mean, the Vikings just lost to uh, Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers. Uh, I do not think that they go from that to beating the Super Bowl losers in a matter of four days. So uh, not not that the Eagles like performed that great, but I mean, you know, you st- you're still playing against Bill Belichick and they had the Tom Brady thing at halftime or whatever. So there was some weird stuff going on in that game. I'm taking the Eagles. Very well, very well. And that will be uh, that's kicks off in about an hour after this recording. So, I mean, like Nasser's birthday, we get a show and we get an actual football game. I, I could not think of a better way to, to you commemorate. Know, I should probably take this back because I, kn- I know he's going to make the Eagles lose, but I'm still sticking with him. <laughs> Fair. And the Vikings wear purple. That was that was his favorite color. So that, I, I do, I do love the it. Vikings purple, man. Yeah. Uh, another purple team, Ravens, Bengals. Um, this is uh, this is in Cincinnati. Hey, this is uh, this. Uh, boy, I, I went back and forth on this one. I, I'll tell you, because I, I, I really do like this Ravens team, uh, the, the players they've got. But there's just there's just something that's not letting me pick against Joe Shiesty in his home opener. Uh, I think the the Bengals are a very well coached team. Uh, they're going to fix a lot of what they they did wrong. And oh, just by the way, Baltimore lost its starting running back last week. J.K. got J.K. Dobbins to a torn Achilles. Um, Alex Alex put it great in our group chat with Armand. Like I wish I could say his initials, but I'm not J.K. That he's injured. Uh, so t- tip of the cap there. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that pun, but. Uh, yeah, man, I just, I think, I, I think the Bengals, uh, Bengals win here. Like, like I was saying, you know, these first two weeks, just kind of popcorn popping, man, any, anything can really happen. And I like the divisional team at home. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, uh, as I laid out kind of the two ways the Bengals can go after that week one game, it's either, uh, you know, kind of lie down and accept that that's what you are, or, uh, use that as fuel to bounce back and have an amazing season. And I've only seen Joe Burrow do the latter. Um, so I, I'm taking the Bengals. I think this is, um, it, you know, only four days away. So, uh, a four days away from, um, sorry, this is ignore me, uh, on the four days for whatever reason, I thought this was a Thursday game in my head. It's totally a Sunday game. Um, but e- either way, I think it's enough time to bounce back. I think Baltimore is a better current team. But that's only because we're just catching the Bengals off of like their stinkiest performance since Joe Burrow has been there. That's that's that is the exception to the rule. That is the complete outlier and everything that they've done, especially since Zach Taylor has been there. It's not going to keep going. They they fixed that stuff this week, uh, and they're they're going to go back to doing what what the Bengals have done: uh, throw the ball down the field, hit. Uh, mixing on on some checkdowns to keep the defensive uh, unit uh, respectful of that option, and I, I I think they get this is their get right game for the season. Yeah, agree there. This this 
Uh, it's not going to be indicative of how things are going to go for Baltimore or the AFC North the rest of the year, but I, I definitely think this could be a a, a beatdown because the Bengals are going to be angry. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Uh, I, I like this Ravens team, though. Yeah, me, me too. Me too. I've, yeah, big Mark Andrews fan. He's been banged up. Um, big fan of pretty much their whole defense. Zay Flowers. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you went and watched his highlights, but if you haven't, go watch his highlights from the first game. Another guy that you can just tell is like like Anthony Richardson. He just belongs on an NFL field. He's a rookie, but he doesn't look like it. Zay Flowers is going to be awesome to watch this year. Yeah, Flowers starting to bloom really strongly there in, in Baltimore. <laughs> uh, Lions and Seahawks. I want a player. Game. I want someone with the last name Algernon to come in the league so I can trade Flowers for Algernon. <laughs> <laughs> um. Lions anyway. and Seahawks, man. <laughs> this is a this man. I, I mean, Alex just mentioned that he picked the Jets to win the Super Bowl, and that isn't looking very good right now. I picked the Seahawks to go to the Super Bowl to play Cincinnati this year, and boy, they laid an egg in Week One. Uh, the Ram credit to the Rams, man. That was a complete performance by Los Angeles, but no team I think disappointed me more in Week One outside of Cincinnati than the Seattle Seahawks did. Um, they're going to a Lions team that took down the Super Bowl champions. Man, I'm not overthinking this one. Connor Lilly, this is again for you. Uh, this is going to be a, a Lions win. Um, and I just I hope you get to enjoy your Sunday because you you didn't you, the 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 Kansas City game was tough and not on a Sunday. But this is this will be a so one o'clock kick. Enjoy the rest of your day going into the work week. Connor's going to have one of those very very nice Sunday evenings. I think. I agree. Coming off of a uh, off ten days rest and you know full of confidence coming out of that Kansas City game. Um, not to mention, uh, I, I think Jameer Gibbs is going to get a lot more touches. Not that David Montgomery did anything particularly wrong. He scored the winning touchdown, uh, had some nifty footwork, some really good vision to bust to the line. But Dan Campbell talked about pretty much having Jameer Gibbs on a pitch count just for his first game. We saw that that dude is 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 legit. He, he is a, everything that you thought he was going to be. Um, there's going to be 11 teams kicking themselves for not taking uh, Jameer Gibbs and letting the Lions trade back and still get that guy. Um, I, I think I think it's going to be one of those things we look back on and say, man, all these teams passed on Patrick Mahomes. Well, all these teams passed on Jameer Gibbs. Uh, he's going to get played a lot more, which is going to make that offense look a little bit smoother than it looked last week. Um, I'm definitely taking the Lions. Uh, the, the Lions I had losing to the Jets in the Super Bowl – well, if the Jets aren't there, I think the Lions got a pretty good shot at it then. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That, this is, a, this is a, still, I think, a very wide-open division in the NFC North. Um, Jordan Love really impressed um, in, in the in week one. But, you know, I, I still think I still, I think both of us still think that this division is Detroit's to lose uh, yes. based on the offseason week one. Um, all right, the Jaguars. Jaguars and Kansas City in Jacksonville. So a different scenery from last year's playoff game in which Patrick Mahomes – got hurt and then probably injected all kinds of drugs into his body. So we could go finish the game. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going out on a limb on this one. I'm going with the Jags and it's more out on a limb because thinking the chiefs will start. Oh, and two, but they did not impress me. They did the opposite of impress me in week one, even though I did had to catch the, the, the game after the fact or the highlights after the fact, but all those drops, man, just all those drops by their receivers. Um, Travis Kelsey is back. Uh, that's science point to him playing as of now so that's going to be a, a different challenge for Jacksonville's defense and probably make Kansas City's offense look a lot better but I don't know man I just I just got this feeling I got this feeling that your your guys are going to do it give me the Jags by a field goal um well we had uh we had old Brandon Sheriff go down against Ugh. the Colts and the interior offensive line was already questionable 
and then the Chiefs add Chris Jones back to the mix. Um, this this is a weird episode. You you have picked both of my teams to win games, and I am picking both of my teams to lose games. I'm taking the Chiefs. Um, again, just another one of those gut feelings um, that a game in the state of Florida is not going to go my way this weekend. Um, you know, uh, unless Chad Henney unretires from banging the drum and has to come in and play for Patrick Mahomes. I don't see a way the Jags win this game. They had enough problems covering Travis Kelsey last year. Uh, the message never got through their heads. They never figured it out. And he just dink and dunked us all the way down the field, drive after drive after drive. We don't have anybody who can cover him. Nobody in the NFL really does. But um, until I see that we are acknowledging the 87 place football for the Chiefs, I'm, I'm picking the Chiefs to win that game. Uh, it's, this should be a really good game, and this is a much better game than a 1 o'clock slot, though. It absolutely uh, a, sh- a sham that fucking Broncos and Commanders are on at 420-plus-5, and Chiefs and Jags are at 1. No offense to your Commanders, but yeah. you, know, you know exactly what I'm saying. Well, unfortunately, the NFL has a rule that Mountain and Pacific time cannot be in – uh, cannot be in the early slot or else this commander's Broncos game definitely would be in the early slot, uh, but being in Denver, but this the last thing about this game that I like, I like the uniform matchup, man. Jack, I think the Jags are wearing all teal with the black helmets and then the chiefs in those red helmets, red pants and white jerseys. That's going to look really good. I'm, I'm looking forward to that part. Interesting. I, yeah. I, the, I wish they were all whites though. All white pants for the, for the chiefs. It yeah. looks cleaner to me. Yeah. Um, Chargers and Titans. This uh this uh boy, the, the I think the worst game of last week just altogether was that Saints Titans game. I Saints won 16 to 15. Um this is the uh, this is a really interesting quarterback situation for for the uh the Titans. They they have Ryan Tannehill who we know is garbage and then we have they have Will Levis who Alex and I know is garbage but I don't think the football world as a whole or the NFL world as a whole really knows that he's garbage plus plus Malik Willis. So uh, I don't really think it's going to matter here. Um, I think the Chargers are a much better team than the Titans, and even though they're going on the road to and not really an East Coast team, but uh, it'll be in the Central Time Zone. Uh, but that's not going to be a factor here. Uh, Los Angeles' offense looked really good in that game against the Dolphins. The Dolphins just did a little bit more. Um, I, I expect Chargers' offense to be still humming, and I finally have Justin Herbert on one of my fantasy teams this year, so I'm, I'm, I'm I want him to do well, and I think he will in this game. Chargers big. Yeah, the, the Titans have no chance if they keep uh, uh, metering Derrick Henry's touches. Uh, I I watched that game; it was on locally here, and like in the first quarter, I looked up and Tajay Tajay Spears is in the game. Now I know who he is, and I know the reviews he got in the off season, and I know he's the he's the number two. But it was it was in quarter one on like the first or second drive, and Henry didn't play a snap. And it's like, okay, well, you lost by one. How fucking stupid do you look right now? Not playing Derrick Henry. Lean on this guy. I mean, he's a, he's a running back. What are you saving him for when he's forty? Ride him. It, that's that's what he's supposed to do. Give him the fucking football. I mean, please lose all the games you want to, Tennessee. You you ended the season that way. Keep going. I'm fine with it. We're one to know. We're we're the only team with a win in the fucking division right now. It feels great. Um, but I mean, could could, could you? It feels a lot better when you win, and it's because you won, not because your division mates were idiots, and they were idiots in that New Orleans game. Unfortunately, this isn't going to be a game that they can run and stay in. 
because the Chargers' offense is way too good. They lost, for my money, what the most exciting game was uh, of Week One uh, versus versus the Dolphins, um, and the, the the Chargers are winning this one, no questions. Uh, Ryan Tannehill will be the quarterback as long as he's healthy. Uh, will Levis wasn't even uh, on the roster on the game time roster last week, so um, I think it's clear right now. Malik Willis is second second in line. It's just a horrible matchup for the Titans. I mean, it's just one of the – it doesn't happen often in, in the NFL, but it's just one of those where just every matchup kind of favors one team, in my opinion, um, and the that, only, definitely being the Chargers. The only good matchups they have, in my opinion, are the Cardinals and Week 1 Bengals. Outside of that, I think they're losing to a lot of teams if they keep doing this shit. And <laughs> that, and they try, they try to force it to DeAndre Hopkins. It's like – you have a tower in trailing Burks over there. Just throw him a jump ball every once in a while to throw off the scent. They're like Georgia was speeding. It's like, just do something different for a game. <laughs> like, just get, give me – you can go back to doing the same shit. Just do something else real quick, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, from the team I work for getting shade thrown at it uh, to the team that I root for, the Commanders at Denver taking on the Broncos. Um, this will be unique for the Broncos in that they'll be wearing their white jerseys because they're honoring the uh, the one of the John Elway uh, um, Super Bowl teams, so they're going to have the team wear white to match. Nice. Um, that that'll that'll be cool to see Washington in their burgundy jerseys on the road. I think they're going to wear the burgundy, not the black. Um, of course, Zach Burhans, whose voice you have heard several times throughout this show through via voiceover, is a Colorado native, a big Broncos fan. Rob Jordan, while not a Broncos fan, also used to live in Colorado. A lot of personal connections here. Um, this is a matchup that doesn't happen very often. Um, and uh, man, Russell, Russell Wilson, I'm, I'm, I'm still a little Russell Wilson. Just he still scares you a little bit, man. He's he's got the ring. He's he's just got the he's got the pedigree. But I, you know, I'm not picking against my my favorite team here in, in this game. Uh, Den- Denver might be without Jerry Judy. Uh, yeah, he's practiced a little bit this week. Going to be probably a game time decision. Um, they 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 are not a very talented team on defense, in my opinion. Um, and I, I just I think Washington now finally has enough pieces to go on the road into a tough environment. But this is a tough environment. Now, one of the best home field advantages I think in 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 the league. But I just I just don't think Denver really has enough, and they're not putting it. They're not going to put it together in Sean Payton's system. In that short a period of time, so I'm, I'm I think Sam Howell has a really good game, man. I just I think that uh, he plays a lot better than he did on Sunday. Washington works out a lot of the kinks that went on in the Arizona game, and I, starting the season two and zero, oh, man, I, I I would I would really like that. Yeah, um, Broncos three and a half point favorites in this one, but uh, you know this is one of those games I think that they they air it like Guantanamo Bay and make people watch because uh, it's it's just not going to be a particularly pretty game in my opinion. Um, I, I, I'm con- you, you said mountain, whatever. I'm convinced this is the reason they put this game in the slot is so people had to watch it and couldn't turn it away. Uh, it's just, it's on your TV. Ha <laughs> ha. Enjoy it. Um, I, I, I feel like the commanders, I, I, I'm picking the commanders, but I'm also torn because the, the commanders have got to find a way to continuously win games, consistently win games when Terry McLaurin is shut down. And they very, very nearly lost to what is the worst team in the NFL last week in the Cardinals um, because they didn't have another another player to go to to score points. They can move the ball a little bit. You know, Jahan Dotson played uh, fair. Uh, you know, Brian Robinson had an okay g- game on the ground. Uh, Antonio Gibson picked up right where he left off 
picking up a football off of the ground that he put there. Um, so uh, at the end of the day, this is one of those games that I just don't have. I don't have a good grip on what either one of these teams are. Uh, I feel like I know the players better for uh, the Broncos, but I know kind of what I'm going to get out of Washington better. And when it comes down to that, he's not a big name, but Montez Sweat has won football games by himself for Washington. And I think that's going to be the difference maker. Russell Wilson doesn't have the step that he used to that plays into Montez Sweat's hands, uh, along with the rest of the defensive line that they've done a really good job building there in Washington. Uh, so I'm taking the commanders as much as I would love to pick the one head coach that I've seen take a bong rip. Uh, I've, I've got to, I've got to take the commanders. Also the team that has Lloyd Cushenberry at center. That's going to be, watch that matchup. Jonathan Allen versus Lloyd Cushenberry in the middle. That's a, that that's going to be an all timer. It's too bad. That guy can't go back in time and uh, get some NIL deals because <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't have anything that he can sell. I'd find something. I think, picking, LSU, I think he played at LSU. They played at LSU, though, so you have to go to a legal state. <laughs> he did. Uh, you, you're picking the Commanders, yeah? Uh, yeah, I, I got got you. Fuck you, Zach Burhans. <laughs> <laughs> Let's spark it up. <laughs> Thank you, Zach, for all the work that he does for us. We, we love having him as part of the show. I love having him as part of our fantasy league, too, so thank, thanks for joining. Uh, Cowboys and Jets, this game is at Jerry World. Uh, I guess uh, if this was last week with Aaron Rodgers on the roster – um, I, I feel a lot better about picking the Jets. I'm I'm not picking the Jets here. I, I just Cowboys showed me too much in Week One, man. Uh, this is a uh, this is Zach Wilson's going to be running for his life from Micah Parsons and and company. I just I don't have a good feeling for the Jets about this one. I think they kind of used up that 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 early season good luck in the win over Buffalo. Uh, as much as I hate to say that, I think this is going to be a relatively straightforward win for the Cowboys. I think this is going to be a relatively straightforward win for the Cowboys. I mean, the, the, the Jets beat Buffalo last year, too. Don't forget that. Um, same, same team, basically, as what as what beat them last week. Um, and that that's what carried the Jets last year. Good run game with uh, the best defense in the NFL. And um, there's certainly a path to victory here. Uh, if, if the Jets can get Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook doing what they did against Buffalo, uh, the path is there because I don't, I don't believe in this Cowboys offense that much, especially not against this Jets defense. But the only way you're going to beat the Cowboys this year is if you don't let their defense beat you. And that's what the, that's the overarching issue the Giants fucked up on. Um, all of that being said, I'm still taking the Cowboys, but uh, the Cowboys right now are nine-point favorites. I don't see any way that the Cowboys offense scores nine more points than what the Jets do. So if they're going to hit that spread, it's going to be off of Zach Wilson uh, making mistakes. And that's that's probably going to happen. But uh, that Jets defense is good enough to get them out of some Zach Wilson holes. They did it on Monday. Um, and I don't know. I think the Bills are a better team than the Cowboys. Um, so there's that. Uh, it's just they're, they're on the road. I, I think being on the road hurts them more here than anything else. Yeah, I mean, in Jerry World, you're always going to get a lot of your own fans in there just because the stadium is so big. But it's it's not a team like, uh, like you know, the Patriots or like the the probably like the you know the Broncos are another example. It takes over that stadium because right. they have so many fans that that can make the trip. But so yeah, Cowboys are gonna. It's their home opener too for the Cowboys. So I, I just and ugh, ugh, sticking and they, my finger down did, my throat here. And they just won forty to nothing. So the Jorts will be out in 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 effect a, a yeah. lot on Sunday. I think. 
Yeah, the the throw it's the throwback Ezekiel Elliott jersey, the 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 Thanksgiving throwback Zeke jersey with the fade haircut, and it's like this is the Cowboys year with the jorts, of course. <laughs> do you think? Do you think all Cowboys fans, also being Carolina basketball fans, are going to be making the trip from Boone, North Carolina, back to Dallas? <laughs> uh, you gotta. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's you gotta. Luckily, this game is at four twenty plus five, so they'll have a couple extra hours nice. to get there. <laughs> but this exactly. is this is the prime. This will be the primary game uh, over Commanders versus Broncos, sure. uh, definitely. Even without Aaron Rodgers, um, to the uh, to the primetime games. Now we've got three primetime games: one on Sunday night, two on Monday night, uh, which we actually overlooked, but slid those into our picks. We'll start with Sunday though: uh, Patriots and Dolphins in Foxborough. Um, like I've been, I've kind of been harping on this the, these first two weeks anything can happen you week one doesn't translate to week two and that's why I'm picking the Patriots they didn't quite come back against the Eagles uh, but they 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 showed me enough to where I think they're going to get up for a home game in the division in prime time uh, it's going to be a tall task but Tua to me is just a little bit too too a hit or miss for uh for for me to have this confidence in a primetime game on the road. I, I, I like the Patriots. I think, I think we're going to get a little bit of just a little bit left of that Bel- Belichick magic to win them a couple games that they're not supposed to win this year. You know, it's strange. I, I thought I was going to be not like trendy, but kind of like surprise indie ish with this pick, but I I'm picking the Patriots as well as, as nicely. And, you know, uh, pretty as the Dolphins played at pretty is the only thing I can say for how Tyreek Hill plays sometimes, um, you know, as well as they played against the, frankly, a better team than the Patriots. Uh, I th- yeah. It, this series has always been weird. I remember back at the, the height of the Patriots Dolphins were the only team that could beat them. Like R- Ronnie Brown beat them by himself, like two separate times uh, back in the early mid two thousands. Um, and I, I think the script gets flipped here. Dolphins are clearly the better team. They're, they have postseason aspirations, but this is just one of those weird matchups where what's supposed to happen doesn't. And I'm, I'm taking the Patriots and, and, and Kendrick Bourne. Uh, no, not Jason Bourne, Kendrick Bourne. Uh, you know, two nice touchdowns in, instead of, of Jacoby Myers. I think they, they got the, uh, the, the backfield splits right. They did about 65-35, Ramondre and Zeke. Um, you know, Zeke did put it on the ground. But other than that, he had a really good game. And uh, the, the conditions kind of favored a fumble here or there. So I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I think the Patriots are going to have a better season than we anticipated, but it's still not going to include postseason. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And if you combine Kendrick Bourne with the first round pick of the New England Patriots, he would be a born again Christian. Born again Christian. Who was Gonzalez. their first? Round? Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I forgot he <laughs> fell there, too. What a I know, right? Deal. <laughs> And and just because I brought him up, I'm going to predict he has an interception in this game. Just just because I brought him up, <laughs> is he playing? I I know he had been out. Oh, and it, did he? I don't, see. That's how little I follow the Patriots. But darn it, it just, I should have just quit while I was ahead with the pun. I mean, should have uh, just quit while see. I was ahead. Uh, no, he he played. He, okay, uh, okay, good. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, that that was preseason. There's yeah. no news on him since three weeks ago. That doesn't sound good. Uh, uh. Anyway, I'll, I'll do my sleuthing. You go ahead and start the next. Anyway, game. two Monday night games. This is a new thing that not there have been two Monday night games before, but never in week two. They used to do the doubleheader at the beginning of the year. Uh, but ABC and ESPN uh, playing a little bit of ping pong. And uh, the first one, first one, we'll, we'll pick the worst game first, I guess, in our opinion. Uh, that's right here in the state of North Carolina, at Bank of America Stadium, uh, the Saints and the Carolina Panthers. And 
man, I just, I'm a big Bryce Young fan. I hope he does well, but this team just has nothing around him uh, here in Carolina. Um, and I think the Saints have a really, really good defense, and they're going to fluster a rookie quarterback um, in his first home start, his first primetime NFL start. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not saying it's going to be like a laugher or anything, but I, I, I'm going to have, I have trouble seeing the Panthers moving the ball against the Saints defense especially with what they have or do not have at a, at the the wide receiver position. Um, Hayden Hurst is the bright spot on that on that offense, in my opinion, at the tight end position. But uh, it's it's not going to be enough here. Uh, this, this is going to be probably an uglier game, a more of a defensive struggle, like, you know, 17 to six type game. But give me the Saints here. You know, I, I kind of like the for, for the record. This is the one game we're picking this week that isn't going to we're not counting our pick for. Um <clears throat> just because we forgot about it and it kind of it's a random Monday night game. So I'm just I'm not counting it. Um however, uh I I I would pick the Saints, but I actually really like what Carolina has. I think it's just one of those things where every single piece is brand new. Terrace Marshall's like the one carryover. Um, but Bryce Young new, Miles Sanders new, Adam Thielen new, DJ Chart new, Hayden Hurst new. All of those guys are are good, good. I say good, not great. Good individually, they just I think they need time to gel. And then you're also talking about having uh, Icky still getting his his feet uh, wet and set under him uh, there for the Panthers. I, I actually I actually like their roster and Bright, Bryce Young is one of those guys that gets better very fast. He learns very quickly. He makes adjustments very quickly and very efficiently. I, I, I don't I don't think they're gonna be playing bad football for very long. They played bad football in that second half on Sunday, but I don't think they're gonna be playing bad football for very long. Um I'm one I'm probably one of the only people who is not a Panthers fan and still pretty high on this team this year. Like I still think I still think the division is in reach for them personally. Uh mostly because the division is kind of weak. Like this Saints team is by on paper, the best team in the division. Um, I, I, I just, I can't shake. I can't shake the gut feeling I just have with this Panthers team. And I, I saw, I saw hints of it in game one, which is good. You, you know, you're not going to see their final form in, in week one, especially with all those new guys I just listed. Um, but I, I think they have a lot of margin for error in that division. And by the time all is said and done, I like them winning it because I like the pieces that they have. I'm taking the Saints right now because they're they're better right now, uh, especially if Michael Thomas keeps playing. Uh, you know, he didn't have a huge impact, but he had a couple of really really good Michael Thomas catches uh, on Sunday. So uh, a potentially scary Saints team. Uh, I'm taking the Saints in this one, but we're not keeping track of this one just for you listeners at home. Uh, this is the whose line is it anyway pick. <laughs> great reference god i missed that show <laughs> so good great great uh, drew carey and that, that's a great segue because drew carey is a huge browns <laughs> fan being a native of cleveland and his favorite team will travel to probably their most hated rival just a just a two-hour drive on interstate 79 i've made that drive a couple of times cleveland is low-key one of my favorite cities in the country to visit the rock and roll hall of fame lives up to the expectations and then some i've been there twice and I still feel like I need to go back several more times, Um, but enough about Cleveland because I think Pittsburgh bounces back from that ugly loss to San Francisco. Uh, What did I say at the beginning during the college portion in prime time on the road or at night 
on the road in your division. In this case, if you're if you're Cleveland, those are the the three the three uh the three holy trinity kisses of death. Um, this is kind of a similar sentiment to what I was talking about with the Patriots uh, and the Dolphins. Just these these divisional games, especially in primetime, are always wacky. Uh, I don't know what the line is off the top of my head. I believe the Steelers are a, are a favorite though. Um, not a big one, but I believe the Steelers are favored. Browns, Browns two and a half. Oh, Browns are fair. There, there I got. This is why I should start writing these things down. Um, but <laughs> this, this is either way, either way, I'm I'm picking uh picking Pittsburgh here. Um, I like I like a big night for George Pickens in in this game. Uh, and even though it's a tough Cleveland secondary, I just I just cannot see myself. I, I cannot see Cleveland going in on a Monday night to what's going to be a very hostile environment. Um, you know, they're not San Francisco. San Francisco is a really, really, really good team to go in there and beat Pittsburgh as badly as they did. Cleveland's not quite that team. Um, and just Steelers will be a lot more motivated for this one with a divisional rival coming into town. And hopefully nobody takes off their helmet and starts swinging uh, this one. or or maybe hopefully they do. That would that would be entertaining. But my pick is the Steelers. Uh, I'm going the Browns if they can carry what they did to the Bengals over. Um, I mean, this. This Steelers offense is trash. Uh, I, I kind of believe in the individual parts of it with uh, Najee and Jalen Warren and, you know, Pat Fryermuth, uh, George Pickens, and now Allen Robinson. I think Deontay Johnson's doubtful for this game. Uh, did, did something to his hammy, um, and they're still evaluating that. Um, all that being said, like, I just – it's it's week one. Maybe I'm overreacting to what the Browns did. Maybe that was more of a Bengals fuck up than a Browns uh, anything the Browns are doing. But still, uh, the Bengals are a better team than the Steelers. And the only thing I see in the checkbox of good for the Steelers is exactly what you said on the road at night type of thing. Um, it's hot. I, it's Heinz Field when the Steelers play, for my money, by the way. Uh, Monday night football at Heinz Field. I mean, I, I, I think if you watch football enough, you can you can close your eyes and picture Ben Roethlisberger and Heinz Ward and Jerome Bettis and Bill Cower on that same field back in their, you know, the, the peak of the Steelers during our lifetime with Troy Polamalu and uh, just all those greats. You can picture what that place was like when they had those good teams and it's going to be every bit of that this week um, coming into Pittsburgh. That being said, I'm still taking the Browns. I like it. I like it. We've had it. We've had a good amount of dissension this, this, uh, this show. I mean, last show we had like a lot of it, like almost all our picks were, 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 uh, were opposite. Uh, we had a couple not so fast in the college portion, which which we want, and then this I think this is a good balance here. So this I, for, I will say I will say this Pittsburgh versus Cleveland game is maybe second only to uh, um, the BYU Arkansas game if we're counting both college and pro is the hardest one for me to pick. But that was the the edge was just you know just the division at home thing, but. That'll be, that'll be a cool atmosphere. I'm, I'm still figuring out how I'm going to watch both games. Like, am I going to put one on the TV and one on the computer? Am I going to go back and forth? Because if, if this Panthers game sucks, then there's no reason to watch it, really. Uh, honestly, I feel like that one has a better chance of being close. Not better, but closer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. 
Um, but you know, this two two Monday night footballs. I wonder how I, I know we're gonna get that a few more weeks this season. So I, so I hope halftime for football. I hope the halftime of the Panthers game lines up perfectly with the start of the I, I haven't looked exactly at the start times, but I you said it's like seven fifteen and eight thirty. Something like that. I I I don't know off the top of my head either. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it depends on what uh, college football conference they're in as to how long the timeouts <laughs> will be. The breaks, but um, yeah, man, it, it's possible that we that you get like that 15, 20, 30 minute window to just watch Brown Steelers and then you can gauge it. You can decide which one you're going to put on the screen before having to pre-commit to it. Yeah, well, well, one more one more time. Just want to shout out Nasser Alexander Kuchecki. Would be 31 on the day of this recording. And almost appropriately, we did a almost three-hour show, one of probably our longest show of the year, except for our draft special. So that's I, I can't think of a better way to to celebrate that man's birthday than doing what we just did. And we're not even into like the you haven't seen my final form. We're we're not even into <laughs> that part. Uh, like like the SEC season and the NFL season, respectively. Right, and even um, for tonight, we still have Bojangles and a, and a whole football game to eat and watch. So that's at, just, yeah, dude. Box this up, package it, sell it, so I can buy it again because I I can't get enough of days like this. Most definitely. Well, that's about all the time we've got here before this football game actually starts. We got to get our dinners in before that, too. So uh, once again, thanks to everyone who stuck it out for listening. Uh, thanks. Uh, shout out to the Kuchecki family, um, Arman, Ashkan, Abram, Atusa, Reza, Ali, all those people. Cameron, Cassie, help me out, Alex, if I'm missing anybody. Um, just Becky, a- Checky, Abram, Ashkan, Colby. Yeah. The, Colby, of course, got out. Col- Colby's one of one of the one of the best. Just fits right in with that Kuchecki family. Um, Mata, so just, Greg, even though yeah, Greg's all a the Florida all fan. the married in all the married in got you know Nasser Nasser loved all those people too, man. Even if even if your last name wasn't actually Kuchecki, which I can attest, that neither of our last names are Kuchecki, but we were we were treated just like family, uh, both inside the house and whenever we were with those wherever we were. So. It didn't really matter. You were, it's kind of like Olive Garden when you're with the Kuchekis, you're your family. So just wanted to shout out all those people. That, uh, but actually, good food with the Kuchekis. <laughs> hey, now, the breadsticks are pretty darn good. But uh, yeah, just it, wanted it, to shout out. If you have to say that, Luke, you know, you, you, you're agreeing with me. <laughs> wanted to shout out every, everybody uh, on that, that side of the Right Hash family. They're all members of the Right Hash family as well. Um, so thanks everyone for tuning in, and we will uh, we'll go ahead and watch football and stuff our faces with chicken now and all weekend too. As you say goodbye to us, and we say goodbye to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. <laughs>